now, introducing the man who thinks Antonio Brown would be a fit in Baltimore because it would, quote, take all criticism off of Lamar, unquote. He also thinks the prophecies of the hale Bop Comet are imminent. He's nuttier than a payday. He is Glenn Clark. Let's see what you did there now. I just realized I had a piece of gum in my mouth, too, and this is a very awkward situation. Well, what do you do when you take a piece out of a gum out of your mouth right here at the beginning of the show? You send the. Uh, I, I'm certainly not going no. to go get a napkin for you. Oh, that's a good idea. Can you see if there's a napkin sitting out there somewhere? That's a bit. Thank you, Cassidy. We got a new intern starting today. I feel terrible. This is the first thing I asked her to do. Like this is not. Maybe maybe you're okay. She found one. Um, this is not typically what I will ask you to do. I need you to know that. Like this is not an internship about getting coffee. <laughs> like I promise you, that's not the case. It's always my fear when we have new interns. Hi, Glenn Clark Radio. The taking care of the gum situation has been solved. The great gum crisis of 2022 is no longer upon us. We have come up with a solution. I'm Glenn. That's Paul. And yes, we have a new intern. I'm going to introduce you to her in just a second. She's going to be with us throughout the semester. I'm excited about that. Um, we got a lot to do today, but before we do any of that, I just, if I could take a minute at the start of the show, obviously, what a horrible day it was in Baltimore yesterday. And... Um, I just want to echo, I know this is, it feels somewhat, you know, silly and trite because we just do a stupid sports show, but obviously, I, you know, like everyone else, our hearts are just absolutely broken um, over the loss of three Baltimore firefighters yesterday. And it you feel powerless because, you know, I, senseless violence happens, sadly, way too much in our city, and, and none of it is worse than others. It's all terrible, right? This is something else entirely. This is just out doing your job and 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 truly something unfathomable unimaginable occurs and it's not just the loss of life and these heroes it's the impact that it now has on everyone else that was there there's still a firefighter who remains in critical condition at this point um and i know what it means to the entire community i mean this is a very close-knit community of people i my when i first started dating my wife her roommate was a firefighter and like, I ended up hanging out with them a lot and you know, got to know a little bit more about their culture. And it is, they are a different breed, man. They are just a different breed of folk. Um, and so I know how much this impacts them and how much it, it truly, it's just devastating. It's unbelievably devastating. Mm-hmm. So um, our thoughts with those that knew uh, Paul Buttram as well as Kelsey Sadler and Kenny Lacayo um, and our, our, our most significant thoughts to... Um, Everybody in the Baltimore fire community that was impacted by yesterday's tragedy. It's just an un- unthinkable moment that occurred in our city. And again, it's it, it, when something happens, you just want to blame people. And while yeah, there will be investigations about the building and the history of the building and all those things, um, it, all, all I think that matters in the moment is saying that we, our hearts are with you and we are grateful, eternally grateful for every single person that is a first responder you know and you of course know a little bit about um, the medical community in your household paul um uh man just eternal gratitude for all the sacrifice for for the true heroism of of these people you have to be so incredibly brave to be a firefighter to go into i I mean you're you're going into a blazing inferno risking your life every time you go to work it's it's something I, i i don't think i could do you know, uh, no, there's no chance. There's you have to be so incredibly brave. And I said there's no chance. At one point, I actually was signing up to become a volunteer firefighter, mm-hmm. and like the, you know, I have a lot of regret in my. I've dealt with a lot of things. I've gotten closer to forty, 
where I'm like, I definitely should have done that, but instead I was effing around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I spent my late teens, early 20s acting like an idiot <laughs> instead of, like, doing things that would actually benefit society. And I have great regret. I've openly talked about how at 37, I attempted to join the reserves because of regret I had about not being, not joining the military when I was younger, mm-hmm. right? Like, and what it would do for me and the benefit. And, and I'm wanting my sons to see that, you know, like I want them to see, hey, you, I want you to be a good and honorable person. Unfortunately, I had some medical issues that prevented me from being able to join the reserves. But legitimately, you might not be hearing this show today. I don't know. I, I'm not, this is not shtick. I've talked about it. 18 months ago, I attempted to join the, it was uh, not, it was the Air Force Reserves because I was too old to join the Army or the Navy Reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to join before you're 35. And they were like, yeah, you're past <laughs> that number. We don't, you're not really who we're looking for, if I'm being honest. Um, but I did. I, I went through the whole process. I legitimately was moving up the lat. My wife and I fought for a long time about it. She was not happy whatsoever, but I was doing it. And then found out, unfortunately, that I couldn't do it any longer. So I have some serious regret about not doing those types of things when I was younger because mm-hmm. I do think that like we all have a role that we're supposed to play in a functional society and at a younger age we have something to offer that we should be willing to make certain sacrifices in order to help the greater good. I know there's probably something like utopian about that that you know doesn't actually work, but I I have those feelings and I have them now that I'm closer to 40 than I did unfortunately when I was 20 and I just wanted to go pound 78 Miller lights over the course of a weekend and see if I survived. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was the guy that needed uh, first responders when I was 20 years old. And I should have been thinking about being a first responder when I was 20 years old. Uh, but I'm grateful. I'm truly, truly grateful for those people and just unbelievably heartbroken about um, this just un- ungodly tragedy that occurred yesterday here in our city. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people who knew Kelsey Sadler. I think she was a front up around my area. Yeah. I, I didn't know her personally, but a lot of people I went to high school with and some of my cousins knew her. Um, just from what they've said, just an incredible... Oh, the, incredible outpour- the outpouring you know, of, of, on social media of, of what these people meant to this community. It's mm-hmm. just, and again, I did not know any of them either, um, but oh, oh, just, just retching. And again, it, we, we can't do this every time. There, there is... Unthinkable tragedy occurs far too often. I hate that. Like, you know, I... It's a different conversation for a different show or a different day. Um, But this one uniquely because it was, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know why this one felt so different for some. I guess because it's fire. And, like, you just don't associate firefighters. You don't lose three firefighters in the same accident ever. Like, that does not occur. Um this oh god all right i know this is very difficult to move on this is an awkward transition hey how about that football game huh (laughs) very awkward to do this uh love love thoughts everything that we can in any way that we can lift you guys up anything we can do for you uh in the firefighting community please let us know um because i know that that feels empty sometimes when we just say hey we're sending you our love we're sending you our thoughts um but we mean it right like we would love if there's something we can do to lift people up if we can go over and Maybe bring a, an athlete with us or something like that and, and hang out with you guys. We'd be happy to do that. Um, and I, I happen to know a few athletes we could reach out to that I have no doubt uh, would love to come over and, and meet you guys. So please reach out. Let us know. We'd be happy to make something like that happen. All right. Much to do on the program today. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to chat with our friend Randy Mueller, former Saints and uh, Dolphins general manager. 
He wrote about Antonio Brown a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the internets uh, were uh, ablaze yesterday because Antonio Brown went on the I Am Athlete podcast um, and said he wanted to play with Lamar Jackson, and that's where he wants to be. Uh, So he's got something in common with my six-year-old, for what it's worth. He wants to be a Baltimore Raven. So the two of them have that uh, in common. Uh, I've already said just about everything I could possibly say about Antonio Brown. I don't know what else I could say at this point. I'm not going to do a... The soliloquy about it, I have no interest in Antonio Brown. It's not because I think he's mercurial. It's because of those texts he sent that make it seem like it's pretty overwhelmingly obvious that he committed sexual assault. And I would I would not like to have that player play for the team that I care about. And I get it. Y'all can be... Y'all can do the bit where you're like, well, this puts you behind the eight ball because other teams are willing to sign those guys. I get it. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game with Tyreek Hill. I understand. And it's a, obviously Tyreek Hill wasn't assault, sexual assault. It was violence against women. Much better, of Pregnant course. Pregnant women. Yeah, yes, correct. Yeah. Makes him a much better guy. Um, like, it, it is different, though I acknowledge that. But I understand what you're saying. Like, you are at a competitive disadvantage because other teams are willing to sign players like that, and you're not. That's fine. If you can't put together a roster to compete without signing those types of players, that's on you. That's on you. And, you know, the Chiefs want to be that team, and they clearly do. That's their choice. I'm glad I don't root for the Chiefs because it would be very uncomfortable for me to be put in that situation. And, you know, I I know I have friends in my life that were Cubs fans that were like, dude, it was always uncomfortable to me every time a Rolls Chapman came into a game because – like he's your guy, you know. Like you, mm-hmm. you want them to win the game. You want him to finish the game off, but you also despise him. It, I, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that about a player that plays for my team. I don't want to have to go through that type of emotion. I want to. I get it. I don't need them all to be perfect. I don't need everyone to be. I am not perfect. I just talked about how much of an F up I was as a young man. I am not perfect. I don't need people to be perfect, but not being able to understand why the line, the line should be sexual assault, violence against women, our inability to understand that that's the line. It's not, you have to be perfect. And when you remind, we've been through the Terrell Suggs conversation a million times. I get awkward talking about Terrell Suggs because I I get it. Like everybody deserves their day in court. If you will, when the evidence is, it's why the Antonio Brown thing is so difficult for me. He wrote those texts. Mm-hmm. That's from him. That's not a story that someone else you know, shared that was never investigated or was dismissed or anything along those lines. He sent those texts. What do you do with that? Pretend like they don't exist? Say, well, you know, he, he was never found guilty of anything, so... The NFL not is me. Really- not me. NFL is really good at once, even if they punish a player, once they the punishment is done and the player is paid what they consider to be their dues, acting like it never happened. I mean, every Ty- every Kansas City Chiefs uh, broadcast, you hear him lauding Tyree Kill like he's the greatest uh, player in the game. Uh, and it's like, this dude so. beat up a pregnant woman. Like... Like he's garbage. Uh, he's, he's a just, piece of garbage. He shouldn't be and, and on again, the field. I, it's, as I've said before, because people bring this up every time we have this conversation, it's not me saying people don't deserve second chances mm-hmm. you do whatever you do you serve your time you pay your penalty you deserve second chances in society those second chances don't have to come from the football team that i care about 
Yeah. I would prefer if they didn't come from any football team, frankly. I would prefer if we all were able to say, I don't care how fast you are. I don't care how cool it looks when you put up a peace sign as you're running past a defensive back. If you're someone who has committed, committed assault against a, a pregnant woman, you don't get to play in this professional football league. We've decided that. We've gotten together and said that's going to be our line. We're not going to allow it. But at the bare minimum, whatever this microphone and that camera allow me to have some sort of silly bully pulpit, I'll continue to say the same things. I'll never be okay with it being my team. You'll never get me to acquiesce about this. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't care. It, look, I've openly, I, as I've said a million times, I, Glenn Clark, have served time in jail for a DUI because I got it in Arizona where you get 10 days in jail immediately. I've done that. I've never hid from it. I'm not perfect. But I know what the line is. And I'm grateful, by the way, as I've said a million times, Paul and I have talked about it openly. I am grateful they pulled me over that night so I didn't do something terrible. Or do it again. Correct. Grateful that that occurred. I'm not perfect. I don't need everyone on my football team to be perfect. I don't need anybody in society to be perfect. I need it to not be this. I need this to be the line. It's amazing to me that people, to some people, that there's no line. That line doesn't exist. How can you look at what Antonio Brown has done over the last three or four years? And I'm okay with separating. Like, trust me, I'm not cool with some of the other things. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it, it would make me think about it but i it wouldn't disqualify me anything else would not be disqualifying i would need to know more about it i would need to i'd be it'd be very difficult for me to fathom having someone on my team that literally walked off the field in the middle of the game i'm I'm with you it'd be very difficult for me to think about that but it wouldn't be hard no it would be i don't think so Maybe if somebody told me more about it, you know, like, yes, he, he seems like he's all of his problems are overwhelming. That even if you separated the sexual assault thing, mm-hmm. you'd probably still say to yourself, I don't think I want that guy on my football team. I don't think so. But that part of it is just, I, I'm not even, I can't even talk about the other stuff. I can't even investigate the other stuff i'm also sympathetic towards the idea that it's awkward because of your quarterback like it is we've talked about this every time it's come up your quarterback grew up with this guy your quarterback has known this person for a very long time and thinks of them like family Mm -hmm. it's an awkward spot for a franchise to be in while you're also trying to negotiate a contract with your quarterback presumably it's a very awkward spot to be in but the the answer cannot be well just give him the stupid wide receiver that he wants i mean it can't be. It just can't be that. It can't be that. There has to be ability to say, Lamar, you can be as mad at us as you'd like. And and we understand this is a player you like. We understand this is a human being that means something to you. You know, considering some of the other people that we know are in Lamar's inner circle, it's an awkward spot. It's an awkward conversation for me to have, right? Like, I've been very uncomfortable with them bringing Kodak Black around the way that they do in Baltimore, knowing the things that he's been accused of doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I... It makes me very uncomfortable. I just don't understand why we don't see this is the line. This is the line. You, you get busted for drugs at some point. It ain't great. I don't love it. But it's not going to disqualify you, in my mind. I'll, we'll talk about it. We need to know where you are. We need to know that you know, you're clean. We need to know all those things. 
But like that alone is not going to be what disqualifies you. You get busted for bringing a gun to a club. Not great. Need to know you're not going to do that again. Need to know that you've, you know, learned from that. But kind of like to know what your intentions were. <laughs> like, because there might be a scenario where I say no. <laughs> but like, there's a line. We have to be able to say that as a society. That not every transgression is made equal. And some of them should be immediately disqualifying. So I'm, I'm willing to talk about the awkwardness. That's what we're going to do with Randy Mueller. It's awkward having this conversation about Antonio Brown because of Lamar Jackson's relationship with him. And I, I don't know as an organization, I, I don't know what that looks like. And I do want to get a GM's perspective because undoubtedly it's come up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, related to Antonio Brown, it's just not even worth the breath. Like, no is the answer, and it will continue to be no, and it will always be no, unless somehow we find out that those text messages were fabricated, unless there's some way to prove he didn't send them the I blank my blank on your blank, you know, that whole thing. Unless we can prove that, I'm, I'm forever. No, 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 no. And I don't care about the other stuff. That's just enough for me to say no. I think that's all I need to say about that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement as the show goes on. Patrick Stevens is going to check in with us, as he does every Tuesday. We'll talk some Terps, talk some college hoops. And also later on in the program, uh, Bo Smolka will join us. We'll talk to him about, um, not I guess a little bit about this, but far more about the Ravens moving on from Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator and where they might go. Quickly first, and before we get to Randy Mueller, I want to introduce our new intern. Her name is Cassidy. Cassidy, you got to get right up on the microphone when we pull you up. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Cassidy Butler, who plays soccer at Stevenson. Um, and I have called her games. And you tell me, just give me your quick, give me like the 30-second the version of your background and why it is that you wanted to come hang out with two dopes like Paul and I. <laughs> um. Well, in the 30-second version, I grew up about everywhere, so I ended up having to make friends really quickly. Okay. And I grew up very social because of it, and fell in love with sports was a way of making friends. So I ended up kind of just joining the two and really just found interest in broadcasting and kind of wanted to do something within radio and sports. And very cool. Everything. Very that. cool. And this was the best you could do? You couldn't, like, you, you couldn't <laughs> aim like, no, I appreciate that. I, we're happy to have you. We're going to put you to work. We're going to... Cassidy is going to be with us for the semester, so we're going to get her involved with various things. We're going to get her involved. We're going to have the same way that like Lil Jordan has his own segment. We're going to give Cassidy her own segment on days that she's here. She's going to sort of feel things out for the first week, and then she's going to get a little bit more involved with the show. You're a, f- Ugh. You're a fan of... Finish sentence. You're a fan of the... Just say it. Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. I'm proud of it. You know what? If my dad's watching, I know he'll be super proud of me. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I was a what? Cowboys fan growing this up. This is a Glenn. whole different. Glenn gave but me so much crap. This is for a whole different. He didn't have a team and they were on every week. <sighs> God, That's what my dad Front says. runners. Bunch of front runners around here. Bunch hey, of. At least you know the love is real. Yeah, because now you they know? suck, right? Like, you can now they're, now they're terrible. You can now they're wagon and be a Tom Brady fan. It's true. Now they're terrible, and you're still putting up with it. So I'll I'll give you some amount of credit for that. But <laughs> God, God, that's brutal. Um, uh, do you have a favorite baseball or basketball teams? Um, I mean, 
Honestly, there's my new favorite one is the one that's uh, it's a semi pro, but it's in um, oh. it's oh yeah, it's in Fredericksburg. It's a oh, small, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, it's a small chain link one. It's not like oh, a, okay. a bigger one, but it's a farmers league. Oh, okay, all right, team. all yeah. right. Well, that's neat. That's a that's completely different. That's <laughs> what not what I expected <laughs> at all. All right, uh, Cassidy, we will look forward to having you involved with what we do throughout the course of the semester. It's good to have you here. Uh, people want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram. Are you on either one of those? I am on both. Okay, what's the handle? My Twitter is CassidyButler5, and then my Instagram is Cassidy underscore Elizabeth22. Very good. You can give her a follow there, and she's going to be hanging out with us throughout the course of the semester. Great to have you here, Cassidy. Thank Looking you forward so to much. it. All right, today's show brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the, sort of the awkwardness of this conversation. Uh, this is someone we always go to for perspective because he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Of course, having run a couple of teams, the Saints and the Dolphins, he is former NFL GM and our friend, Mr. Randy Mueller, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Randy, it's Glenn and Paul. It is always great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. My pleasure, guys. Good to be back with you. Hey, Randy, um, we're in an awkward spot in Baltimore. There's a bunch of stuff I want to cover with you, but the, the big news yesterday was Antonio Brown goes on this podcast and he says, I want to be a Raven. And that's not surprising because we've known about the relationship between Antonio Brown and Lamar Jackson for some time. Of course, his cousin, Hollywood Brown, is a Baltimore Raven. It makes all the sense in the world that Antonio Brown would campaign to be a Baltimore Raven. It makes far less sense to me <laughs> as to why the Baltimore Ravens would have any interest in Antonio Brown. Let me start with that before we talk about the awkward part of it. Uh, based on what I read at MuellerFootball.com a couple weeks ago, I'm just going to guess that if you were Eric DaCosta, you probably wouldn't be inclined to be poking around in terms of Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> you're probably right. That one would, would uh, not be a hard one for me. I think I would even uh, take it a step further in that when he left the last place and we all saw the public display, uh, he not only left the uh, Giant Stadium with taking his uniform off in front of us all, then he proceeded to throw the, his quarterback, the GM, the head coach, all under the bus. So I think that one would be kind of hard. I think, I think that is playing with fire. I don't think the Ravens will justify it in any way. And I just think as much as Antonio wants to play and, and maybe there's a fit with Lamar, I just don't think it, they can take the risk of blowing up their locker room for something like this. It's just a risk-reward thing for me. And I understand if others might want to do it, I just can't risk uh, the, the downside within the own, within our own locker room. So let's talk about the awkward side of it, right? Like you are presumably in contract negotiations with your quarterback. He's on social media talking about how much he wants this player. The, you, you know, his cousin's on the roster. W what does this look like? What are these? Uh, does this just not come up? Like, is it easy for a general manager to say, I, I'm not calling and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is probably not calling me, asking me to do this. Like, it, it feels like it would be uncomfortable to me internally knowing how much your quarter, you know, the face of your franchise wants this player on the team, whereas the leadership of the team presumably wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you have to have a good relationship with Lamar. I totally understand it. I don't think that's just starting to be created. I think that's one that's happened over time. I think that Lamar has to be respected. I think you have to hear what he says. And I think you have to take, really, uh, it to heart. 
I also know what the rest of your locker room says and that it may not be as simple as, hey, Lamar wants him, so we need to get him. So I just think, and I agree, the awkwardness of it might exist, but I think this is one of those that's got to made, be made above Lamar and at the top of, of the organizational chart. And it, 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 for me, and again, that's just me, for me, it's one that we just can't go down at this point. Uh, Randy, the the I, the reason why I, it would be an utter non-starter for me is because I read those texts that he sent uh, to the alleged yeah. victim, yeah. and I, I have said over and over again, um, and and maybe you know I had to learn from the Ray Rice situation, like there it will for me personally be a non-starter anything related to sexual assault or violence against women. Like it will just be a non-starter for me as far as a player that I would want on my team. Now I get it. I'm not, believe it or not, Randy, they didn't hire me to run any football team anytime soon. Like, they're not doing that. Um, so I, I, I certainly understand that other teams are taking advantage of that sort of competitive situation where, you know, the, the Chiefs have had great success with Tyree Kill, right? Like, that is, it has sort of changed the course of yeah. their franchise, taking a chance on a player like that. It, is it a mistake from a competitive side? The Ravens appear to have been have distanced themselves in the aftermath of Ray Rice. They've appeared to sort of say, we're not going down that road. From a football standpoint, is that a mistake for a team to make to completely say, we're drawing a line, we won't take a chance on players like this, you know, beyond just Antonio Brown, whose situation is clearly you know, a bit more complicated, but as a whole, is it a mistake for a team to make? No, I do not think it's a mistake at all. I think we're charged with building a team, right? And that includes building a team on the field and one in our building. And I think the easy one, easy decision here is that, hey, this comes from ownership. This is really n nothing the GM or the head coach can even get involved in. There's a philosophical um, platform of which we stand on right and wrong, and this is a deal breaker for us. I think it's an easy one to walk away from. Some some teams, some owners might be okay with it. I'm with you. There's just no way I could turn uh, my cheek and, and not have this be part of our criteria for what we are and what we stand about, stand for. And I think that the, that will probably be the end result for the Ravens. And, and, and I hope that's the case. You know, Randy, I'm, I'm rooting for that personally, and I get it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's the, the, another team's going to take a chance on a player that you're not, and yeah, player might turn out to be really good. That's a that's a problem that I'll deal with, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that. To be honest with you, I, I have no problem with that. I think we all and we do this when we draft players. What's the difference? We have a column that says "not for us." It just doesn't fit. I think you can have that at the NFL level, and then when a player is a free agent as well, you can have a column that just says it doesn't fit and be willing to walk away from it. And if he goes somewhere else and leads them to a Super Bowl, so what? It's just not our philosophical you know, approach and not the way we're going to do business. I love that. I love that thought process. All right, Randy Mueller is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Um, Randy, as I said, you know, this comes at a time where, where, you know, there's a general level of awkwardness because, you know, the Ravens are in this spot, and you and I have talked about the Lamar Jackson situation a number of times. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, w I was chatting last week with Andrew Brandt about this, and he was like – if they didn't get a deal done last year, I'm not sure why they're getting a deal done this year. Like, I don't know what forces that to happen this offseason. Um, I'm in a place where, at this point, if I'm Lamar Jackson, and your opinion is, hey, go prove it, because we think you struggled a little bit against the Blitz this year, I would say back to them, I'm Lamar Jackson, guys. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. sure if you remember... 
things weren't going so well until I showed up. And if you think I need to go prove it, I'm going to say back to you, send me somewhere where they're ready to give me money right now. Send me, go ahead and, I, I, I just don't, I, I'm not messing around with my franchise quarterback and playing games. I get it. I, I wish he looked better in those four games against the Blitz before he got hurt, like I certainly do, but it's not going to be what prevents me from doing this. I, would you, as a GM, look at this situation and say, nah, we'd like you to go back out there for one more year, or would you be ready to try to get this done now in order to start making other decisions based around what the number will be for Lamar Jackson? Well, I'm kind of with you on the fact that I'm over the proving part. I don't think that we can prove anymore. I think we know exactly what Lamar is. I think what you see is what you get. And I've said when this whole saga started, I think it's more about a vision of what our offense is going to be and can we win with this type of offense. Let's set Lamar personally aside. I understand the pros and cons with him personally, but this is a business, and do we think offensively we can be – uh, what we want to be, we saw these teams last week. We saw what Pat Mahomes yep. does. We saw what Josh Allen does. Is Lamar Jackson in that category? Probably not. But that doesn't mean we can't win with the system we're running. Then to be what fair, did, Lamar Jackson beat Patrick Mahomes earlier this season, right? Yeah, I understand. I understand. But, again, it's, it's, I guess it's probably why Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors, right? We all get to pick the one we like when we walk in the door. I'm just not – and, again, I'm not picking a side here. I'm just saying, do we think our offense – has vision, is sustainable, can advance in the passing game to where it needs to advance for us to win the Super Bowl. If the answer is no, then they've probably got to look for options. The hard part for the Ravens is they've, they've really painted themselves, and it, you, I don't know if you can paint yourself into a corner with a former MVP, but they don't have any other options. So this is their best option. I don't think drafting one and, and watching his projection and learning curve and that process take place make much sense either so unless they can find an option that's on the street somewhere i think in the end they'll end up finding a way to to pay lamar jackson it, it's complicated i'll be honest with you there's there's some levels of comfort here that would make me nervous uh, if i were the ravens i, I am you know I, it's everything you just brought up is interesting to me right because there as i'm sure you're aware uh, randy there are people in this town that are not big fans of greg roman at this point, and, and I've said for a long time, uh, typically when you lose, the offensive coordinator tends to be the coach, and the offensive coordinator tend to be the least popular people in town. John Harbaugh, because he's built up so much equity in this city, um, avoids a lot of that. Not all of it, but he avoids a lot of that. Um, I, I don't really understand. You know, before they lost all their players this season, we all thought the Ravens were a Super Bowl contender. Like, mm-hmm. every single one of us came into this season saying, we don't know that they will, but we think they can. And even without their players early on, without any running backs in the early portion of the season, they were very much in the mix as to be the number one seed in the AFC. And then we kind of all saw what happened. They lost everybody. They didn't have a secondary. They didn't have a quarterback. They lost everything. And, and it all fell apart. I don't know why, and I get it, we can talk about the defensive side of the ball because they did make a change, but I don't know why as a team, if you believed you could win a Super Bowl and you saw a team performing really well before losing half of a roster, you would suddenly be inclined to make drastic changes afterwards. I I would just think that you would sort of say, we think we built a roster and, and we had the team that could win a Super Bowl. We lost all the players. If we get the bulk of them back and add in a couple of guys, we probably feel pretty good about our chances of winning a Super Bowl next year. 
Well, that's a very good point. I think the, the validity of the injuries does factor in. I even take it back further in that, why did we trade Orlando Brown? That's a why fair, did we right. let Matthew Judon go? I mean, these are really good players that were productive for the Ravens. And if we're going to be all in in the way we're doing things, I've never been one for not keeping our best players, even if it's temporarily. Even though if you knew you'd had to move Orlando Brown a year from now, I would have rather had his services last year than what I got in return. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep dive that those on the inside of the building should know but at the same time, you've got to hold them accountable for the decisions they've made. I, and by the way, I do think that's fair. Um, the Orlando brand, and again, they were in a tough spot, obviously, because he didn't. He wanted to play left tackle, and they thought they were going to have Ronnie Stanley back, and that clearly burned them. And the Ronnie Stanley thing right. hangs over this organization right sure. now. Like yep. they yep. they paid him a lot of money. It's very difficult to pay one player that much money and and not get anything from him at all for the better part of two seasons. Like that's a it's an albatross. If, if that continues, if Ronnie Stanley can't get back to being Ronnie Stanley, Randy, I, I would think that's a very difficult thing for any organization to over, overcome, almost no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he's your best lineman. You've got to find a way to keep him. I've just never been one for not paying our best players and moving on them. I think the Saints are going through a little bit of the same thing. They've signed Ryan Ramzik, their right tackle, mm-hmm. and now Teron Armstead, their left tackle, who I think are the best combination of tackles in the league. They've got to make a tough decision as well. And I think, you know, it comes down to philosophically how you divide it up. That's nothing new. We've always known that the pie only has so many pieces. But I just think that if you can add to, keep what you like, keep what you have, and add to it, your chances of making a a deeper run are, in my opinion, uh, way higher than if we start moving pieces like this and trying to replace. Because even if you replace with the same quality, it seems to me like there's a step back temporarily. And, and before you can move ahead, you get worse. Maybe that's what happened to the Ravens this year. Maybe they'll be better next year. But I just hate seeing these good players walk out the door. I understand that. I, I, you know, and somebody would say, hey, there's, still a, there's always a limit to how many of these guys you can have because of the cap. But, you know, as you bring up with the Saints, it seems like the Saints always figured out a way to yeah, give. No, I agree. Right? They're going to figure it out. Yeah, yep. Um, Randy, were you surprised that they moved on from, from Wink Martindale? I mean, you know, this has been a really good defense for a few years this year. They were not, they, you know, they were dead last in yards per play allowed, but again, they dealt with injuries. Were, Were you surprised that this organization made that move? Yeah, I was surprised, but I'm not in on the, you know, interworkings of what's transpired there either. But yes, I think Wink has a really good, um, reputation in the league. I think he has an identity that a lot of teams would want. Um, but yeah, when you start subtracting players, some somebody has to get the blame. If you're not as productive, I understand numbers didn't say they were as productive. I don't think you'll have a problem running another defense and getting another opportunity. That's for sure. But yeah, I was surprised by it. I just think, I think on one hand we're blaming injuries for a lot of the setbacks. On the other hand, we're blaming what a coach and a system. So I don't know. I, I think we got to pick a lane at some I, point. I, I, there's something to be said for that. I would say that like the one thing that I have pointed out, and you brought up the name Matt Judon, and I think a lot of people have looked at Unique Ngakwe and Zadarius Smith, and I think there has been a question about the system that the Ravens have had where they essentially don't allow pass rushers to just be pass rushers. They kind of they they say we we don't we don't have pass rushers we have linebackers and we're going right. to ask you to do a lot of things and you know there's been a frustration kind of looking around and seeing well why 
why wasn't Zadarius Smith as good in Baltimore as he's been in Green Bay, right? Like, why right. why was it that Unique Ngakwe was a non-factor when the Ravens acquired him and and has been a guy again, right? Like, and I yep. I wonder if that's that's a factor. And I kind of poked around on that, and I, it wasn't dismissed when I brought that up. It wasn't the the only thing, um, but I do wonder if there's something to be said for. I, at some point, we need to allow edge rushers to just be edge rushers and to try to go get the quarterback and and not assume that we can always scheme our way to getting the pressure that's necessary. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I think we're not in on those discussions, but when you let players like that go, when they leave, who says what and who has made the case that, hey, maybe it is the scheme, I can scheme up anybody, but yet it doesn't happen that way. I think there's some accountability there as well. So a lot of these conversations that happen on a daily basis inside a building that all add up to a decision being made afterwards we're just not privy to them. We can all have our ideas and, and how we think it should go. But, again, it comes down to me is I think some coaches are, are really sacred when they talk about their scheme. I'm a little more on the player side and that I think players make schemes. Mm-hmm. So there may be a philosophical, you know, rub there that just had to be changed. All right, before we let you go, can you help us solve the overtime thing for us, Randy? <laughs> you're going to think I'm old school, but here's the way I thought. You're not, you're not going to say you're okay with it. Please don't tell me you're okay with it. <laughs> I've Actually, in, in all seriousness, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I was okay with it. Then I said, you know, maybe we need to alter it just for the playoffs, just for yeah. something different. And then the more I think about it, I don't think that's what caused Buffalo to lose the game. Well, I, I think not, not squibbing the game. Right, right. And questionable call after questionable call on defense with their philosophy and execution is what cost them the game. I feel bad that we didn't get to see Josh Allen again, but I just I I blame the other side of the ball and some of those coaches' decisions. Now I'm this is I have two different thoughts because I'm with you on that, Randy. This to me is not about this is why Buffalo lost the game. They lost the game, and and you know you you can't stop somebody with 13 seconds left. You deserve to lose, right? Like I'm Correct. I'm with yep. you on that. But it's a different conversation to me that that goes far beyond this game, right? Like this is just in, in general the idea of what's the most fair way of of deciding a game, particularly as you point out in the playoffs. Um, when somebody's season is on the line, and saying, yeah. well, hey, defense has to matter. Well, why does defense only matter for one team in overtime, right? Like, why does only one team have to play defense? To me, yeah. it's it, it, it feels like it needs to be football. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp of just do things the same way you're doing it, let both teams have the ball, and then if it's still tied, play sudden death after that. As long as both teams have the ball, second team gets a shot to try to go for two if they want to end the game right then. Um, you know, that, that to me is the most fair, equitable way, but I, I'm, I'm separating the two things. I'm not, I'm not lamenting Buffalo as much as it just doesn't seem like the right way to decide these games. Right. Having been in some of these meetings at the league level, I can pretty much guarantee you they're not going to chase the story, so they're not going to adjust based on Buffalo. They've had a lot of discussions prior to it. It'll be interesting to see if something does happen, though. I can really respect others' opinions on this because, like I said, I went back and forth myself. They they, they tried to change things for New Orleans a couple of years ago, and then a year later they were yeah. like, nah, nah, <laughs> we're, we're good. Uh, Randy, you want to remind everybody about Mueller football and what it is that you're doing? Well, I do a little consulting work at MuellerFootball.com, and I also write a blog there, just a little information that people glean from from really just being in the GM chair for as long as I was and, and being around the league, and sometimes I have a little different take on it. I also co-host a podcast for The Athletic called The Football GM with Mike Sando, and it keeps me busy, that's for sure. At Randy Mueller underscore on Twitter is how you follow him. Always appreciate you taking the time for us, sir. Thanks so much for doing it. Let's talk again soon, all right? You bet. Take care.
Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, great insight from him. We could not agree more about the line when it comes to players that are dealing with these situations. We could not agree less about the overtime thing. Fix it! Fix it! It's so infuriating to me. It's so all the hipsters, all the hipsters. Uh, it's, Ross Tucker sent out some tweet this morning that I was like, what are you even saying? Like, what? And this is why it won't get fixed. Is because we just say stupid things for the sake of, you know, I want to sound cool on Twitter. I want to be the guy that's not saying the same thing everybody else is saying. And because of that, there's not this common agreement to fix it, and it doesn't get fixed, and we still have to, to deal with being punched in the nads at the end of a, a, a classic football game. Ross Tucker this morning said, oh, God, i got to pull this up because um, – he said, so let's say they change the overtime rule so that both teams get the ball because the coin toss shouldn't determine the outcome. Chiefs score a TD, the Bills score a TD, then the Chiefs score a TD, and the Chiefs win. What did we fix? It's such an intellectually dishonest argument because it's what I just said. The second team has the opportunity to say, we're just going to go for two and not let you get the ball back. We're going to mm-hmm. try to end the game right here. And they get to make the choice. If they believe their defense can get a stop, then they can just kick an extra point and try to play on if they want. And if then they, they fail, that's on them. They made their choice. Not to mention, if both teams get a possession and both teams score a touchdown, how much time is left on the clock? Do you have time to get down the field and score another touchdown? So, well, at that point, it wouldn't have to be a touchdown. It could be a field goal. Or, or, it could be a but, whatever, right? I mean, obviously, you, they only need 13 seconds to get in the field goal. Right, range, correct. But, but, I mean, that doesn't happen every well, and, time. And, and there, wouldn't, there would be no tie in, in the playoffs. They don't they, – Right, they can't no, do they, they'd it. go so through they a second play overtime. play on, yeah. right, correct. It would just but, be sudden death. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's I, just I, not hard. I like, I, you keep hearing these fans well, – I've heard them call on the other sports shows and say, well, why don't they, each team gets the ball on the 20 with a minute of time? Why, why and and I'm like, tr- why are you trying to, to dummy this up? Like – each team gets a possession, and then it well, becomes that was, a sudden We were talking to Bradley and Nikki yesterday. We were talking about like a shootout idea. I'm like, what are we doing? This like, isn't what hard. What are we doing? Cassidy, you're a soccer player. Penalty kicks an okay way to determine a game? Are you okay with penalty kicks being a way? You guys make the conference championship game. It all comes down to penalty kicks. Is that all right? No. Okay. And that's a more normal version, right? Like mm-hmm. Penalty kicks is an accepted concept. We determine major international competitions over penalty kicks. Italy won the Euro in penalty kicks, right? Like, and, and it still rubs soccer players the wrong way. What the F are we doing trying to come up with it? Just play football. It's not hard. We, we're trying so hard to solve a problem that barely needs to be solved. Do the exact same thing you're doing. Just don't let the game end after a touchdown. Everything else stays exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And if you're the team that wins the coin flip, you got to think about it. Because it's easy to say, well, you want the ball first because then you would get it third too, right? But maybe you'd rather get the ball second and say, I want to know what the first team did, and then I get to determine my own fate afterwards. Because the first team ain't going for two, because then if the second team scores and they didn't get their two-point conversion, all they got to do is kick the extra point and win. Mm-hmm. So the second team would get to be the team that would say, we can kick, go for the two and we can try to win the game on our own. So stupid. So stupid. So I don't think that would happen very often, though. Right. Go for don't two? Go for two. Oh, I disagree. Overtime. I 100% think the Bills maybe, would have done that. Maybe in the regular, but in, in, in the playoffs? In the you playoffs? think the Bills would have rather put their defense out for another drive maybe at not. that point? Maybe, okay. No maybe, chance. Maybe not. No chance. But, uh, if they're, okay, against anybody other than the Chiefs. Maybe. Well, it's a different scenario. You're not wrong about that. All right. Today's show also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. 
the seasonal menu is available at Glory Days Grill with the comfort food classics like the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the short rib grilled cheese sandwich, so much more, the spooky thigh wings. Oh, they're so good. GloryDaysGrill.com. Get your order in right now. We'll talk some college hoops, talk uh, some Terps. Patrick Stevens next, Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR, we continue on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football, where there's only a few weekends of football left, but once football season ends, there's still plenty of games they'll have for you, basketball-wise, hockey-wise, and if they ever get around to playing baseball, they'll have that too. UnderdogFantasy.com or download the Underdog app when you use the code PRESSBOX and make your first deposit. 
We will match you up to $100 with free money for you to play with at Underdog Fantasy Football. It's Tuesday, and that means it's time for us to talk some Terps and college hoops with our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, at Discourse, D1S Course, and, of course, the Washington Post as well. Patrick Stevens, how are you, sir? I am well, Glenn. How are you? I'm all right. Am I correct that you saw two insane comebacks over the last three days? Two insane comebacks in the last three days. Um, As some background, there had been, coming into this season, 17 comebacks of at least 26 points in Division I men's basketball history, and there were just two in three days here in Maryland. Pretty remarkable. Um, The Army was down uh, 27. They were down 36-9 to to Navy uh, with about four and a half minutes left in the first half, and they were still down 22 with about 11 and a half minutes left in the second half and came back to win in overtime. Uh, and then just last night, uh, Coppin State uh, spotted Howard a 26-point lead in the first half and was still trailing by 10 uh, with a little less than five minutes to play uh, and came back to win that game 83-81. So uh, two monster comebacks in these parts. And, and I, w- I would say that the fact that Coppin got the, the, the margin down to nine by halftime last night made, made that one feel a little less ridiculous than the Army-Navy comeback. But still, when you're down 39-13, you're, generally speaking, you're, you're starting to think about what's coming up in the next game at that stage. And in fact, there were a couple particularly rowdy Coppin students sitting behind me last night who were like, we'll see you guys in D.C., we'll get you in D.C. It, <laughs> it turned out they got them last night in Baltimore. They, did, they, didn't, they didn't leave before the game was over. No, they didn't. no, no. Okay. Nobody, nobody chose poorly there. And, that, yeah, yeah. and that's another thing. You get back within nine by halftime, no, nobody's leaving at that stage. So I had there was a hilarious moment. I was I happened to be at the casino for the football games on Sunday, and there was a hilarious moment in the Buccaneers-Rams game where the Bucks turn the ball over and people literally start emptying out. And then one play later, there's the fumble, and they get it back. And I start seeing people like running back towards the sports book <laughs> to try to keep watching the game. So I was wondering if maybe there were a few of those last night. I, I would think at this point we got to talk about Nendatark as the type of player maybe that you might want to get out and see live at some point. Yeah, and, and he made he made the big play there at the end, uh, the game-winning play. It's funny, Coppin had, had, had gotten within four, they got within five, and they just couldn't quite get over that hump. And they finally took the lead uh, on a steal by Tyree Corbett, who I want to talk about too. But Tark was able to, to get the deflection from there going, get the layup, get the and one. Uh, he had 19-5 and, and four with four steals last night. You know, I mean, the, the talk around Coppin is, is that for as good as Anthony Tark was last year, and he was awesome, Yeah, no question. That Nend is going to be better over the long haul. Wow. So, you know, he, he that was the first time I'd seen him in person. Uh, and, and I was impressed. It was funny. The scoring was kind of quiet. Like you just you, you pick up a, a bucket here, a bucket there, but he did a lot of stuff. And in a wild and wacky game, did not have a turnover in thirty-five minutes. So really, a huge factor there. I want to mention Court Tyree Corbin as well. He had twenty-five points and twenty-two rebounds last night. He had eleven offensive rebounds. Um, and it's he he has two twenty-twenty games this month. And Coppin hadn't had a twenty-twenty game. At least 2010-11 uh, before that. So he is a he is a ferocious offensive rebounder, and I, I came away really really impressed with his motor. And that that's the sort of dude. I mean, it, it, wherever it is, when you have that skill set, you're going to be able to make money playing basketball somewhere. 
No question. Uh, so, so, so that guy, that guy is somebody to, to keep an eye on as, as long as as long as that sort of stuff continues. All right, the two teams that we've been kind of talking about the most locally have been Loyola and Towson, and a bit of a mixed bag for both of those teams this week. Um, you know, Towson like I didn't look bad, obviously, at all against Wilmington. It was a game that they probably should have won, but you know, as far as trying to establish themselves as the team to beat, it, it was kind of a difficult loss to take because that was their opportunity. Otherwise, they, they looked pretty good in the other two games they played since we last talked. Yes, and I mean, you and I saw them against Charleston, and they just sort of survived that onslaught of physicality uh, and depth that Charleston had. I, I, I continue to be impressed with Towson, and I'm impressed by the fact that, you know, two days after playing that Wilmington game, uh, and like you said, they probably should have won that game, but it's not as if they played poorly in that game either. So uh, you, you sort of lick your wounds a little bit on that, and then two days later you turn around and you go and you win at Delaware, who I thought coming into the season would be the best team in the league. So I think that's a really good victory for them. And now they get three in a row at home, Delaware, Drexel, and James Madison. And you know, Delaware, the second Delaware game basically marks the midpoint in conference play. Uh, they'll play Delaware twice and, and not play James Madison yet, but essentially the midpoint. And if you can get to the midpoint seven and two in that league, uh, you set yourself up well. Uh, I know we've talked about it'd be better to be the one seed than the two seed in that yeah. league, just because you get the you get somebody that played the day before yep. uh, in the in the in the quarterfinals. Uh, but if they're sitting there as a two seed, they're still in pretty good shape overall. Uh, so I'm sure I'm looking forward to seeing them a couple times this week. And as for Loyola. Uh, they they played three times since we last talked, and I would say that the bag has been much less mixed uh, in their favor uh, than it was for Towson. They they just laid a complete egg against Boston University, went scoreless at one point uh, for uh, the final twelve twenty nine of the first half, with more than fourteen minutes overall. Mm. Came back to beat American, and then lost up at Colgate, which is a tough place to go play, uh, and didn't play a great second half up there. And so Loyola hits the midpoint of Patriot League play at six and three. Uh, they've split with BU uh, to this point. They have yet to play Navy. Uh, but, you know, you look at the losses. If somebody had said to you at the, at the start of conference play, at the start of the month, that they'd be 6-3 and three and their losses were going to be at Army, at home to BU, and at Colgate, I, I'd have said that probably sounded about right. I would have guessed that maybe that one of those losses was instead up at BU the first time around, which where they've never had any sort of success. Uh, but, you know, they sit here at 12 and 8, 6 and 3, and they're, they're still inexperienced, a little erratic. Uh, but I think the schedule here starts to look a little bit more favorable uh, with, as, as we go along here. I, I think the next, next week, when they play Army on Wednesday and Navy on Saturday, both at home, I think that's kind of the pivot point for their season, especially if they can go to Bucknell and, and pick off the Bison, a team that finally got its first Patriot League victory over the weekend. And we talked about it. We thought they were a little bit better than what we had uh, we had seen from Bucknell so far. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Patrick is, you know, Maryland got a win, um, and they beat Illinois. Of course, we all know the scenario. There was no Kofi Coburn, and that, that helps when you're going to be facing a team like Illinois. Did, did we learn anything in that game that we think can be translatable moving forward uh, as that starts tonight as they travel to Rutgers? Well, the thing that stood out was that they not they didn't just win while facing uh, an Illinois team without Kofi Coburn. They basically attacked the paint against that team. And what was interesting, I, I think we maybe maybe learned a little more about Illinois. Mm-hmm. Is that you know they really need Coburn, 
Uh, they are not. They they are simply built to built completely around him. And if he's not there, they're a bit lost. But as for Maryland, I think the one thing that we saw was Dante Scott was a was very aggressive getting inside. Uh, and when you when you look at what they were able to do, you know, Dante Scott basically did what Danny Manning wanted him to do, which, which was which was to be more of an interior factor. He only attempted two three pointers all night. Fats Russell only attempted two three pointers all night. And so I think against teams that maybe don't have as much size, which is you know there's only so many of those left on the schedule. But against those sorts of teams, you know, there's sort of a blueprint there for how to go about their business the rest of the way. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do tonight up at Rutgers, uh, a team that, you know, they played reasonably well against right. in the first half yep. before things unraveled on them uh, just 10 days ago. Uh, but I think that's a game that, that we'll see if they can build on that. And, and if they can't, you know, it, it certainly would look like it would be one of those things where it very well may be they, they pick off one of three the rest of the way or something along those lines, because it's hard to, hard for this bunch to get traction. Uh, but I do think that that was probably about as well as they played all season, even while taking into account uh, that Coburn wasn't there. Uh, that's fair. I think that's very fair. No question about it. And again, that, uh, that game's night against Rutgers uh, on the road at 8 o'clock on Big Ten Network. Patrick, anything else on the local front that we need to cover from the past week? Gosh, I'm, I'm trying to think here. I mean, I got the chance to, to go catch Mount St. Mary's the other day. Okay. Um, so we'll mention them. I don't think we've talked about them in a while. They've yeah. won three in a row now. Uh, you know, the Northeast Conference still has a ridiculous forfeit policy. So when Mount lost two games to COVID coming out of Christmas, they started the schedule in an 0-2 hole. And one of those forfeits was against the best team in the league. And one of them was against arguably the worst team in the league. So you can probably do the math there and figure that it cost them one game in the standing uh, if those games have been played. But, you know, they've held their last three opponents to 50, 59, and 50. They dropped 98 on Friday against Sacred Heart. They had some turnover issues that have continued to bedevil them, uh, and they had a bunch on Sunday against Central Connecticut that were still able to win by 15. And so they're in the middle of this stretch right now where they're playing uh, five out of six at home. They go to Fairleigh Dickinson on Thursday and then come home and play three in a row. And, and this is a team now already that's in position to have a home game, despite those two early forfeits, a uh, home game in the NEC tournament. This is kind of a chance for them to move up a little bit more uh, at 4-4 four and four in the league. They hit the midpoint of conference play on Thursday up at Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, and I think that when you look at them, you know, there's guys that are kind of starting to figure things out a little bit. You know, it was a great game for Dakota Lafue uh, the other night. Uh, Mevi Offram had a really good game playing the four since Malik Jefferson was out for a game. And so I, I look at the Mount as a team uh, that has a chance, if, if things continue rolling in this direction, to be that sort of elite lockdown defensive team in that league that creates all sorts of problems in the conference tournament. And if that sounds familiar, it's exactly the formula yeah, they took into the NBA. They used, yeah, right. 100%. Worked out pretty well for them. Worked out okay. Uh, Patrick, the I, I guess the the other uh, there's conference news. We we brought up Towson related to that. It's official now, and and we knew it was coming. But the three teams are going to be joining uh, the conference now official in in Hampton, as well as Monmouth and Stony Brook. What is the significance of these three programs joining the CAA moving forward? Well, I I think the interesting part of this is that when you think about Matt James Madison leaving, which is what sort of instigated looking around a little bit. Um, getting back to 12 kind of gives you, it, 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 certainly for the, for the first thing it does, is it protects you a little bit if you happen to lose anybody else. Uh, I'm intrigued that, that the 
they sort of fortify the northern flank more so than the southern flank here. You know, you almost feel like you needed uh, maybe an extra team in the south if they could pull it off. And who knows? They might they might not be done yet. Okay. Uh, and it might they might not be done just at twelve, and they might not be done because somebody might leave. Um, but you add Monmouth with, and and Stony Brook, two, and, and even Hampton too. Those are three schools that have had some good uh, basketball success. You know, Monmouth hasn't been to the tournament in a while, uh, but they've got a beautiful arena. It was up there for an NIT game against GW five or six years ago, and it was, it was really impressed. Stony Brook is a is kind of on the rise, and it gives you somebody to pair with Hofstra on Long Island, uh, and then with Hampton, uh, you know. That that's another program that, that basketball wise has had had a good bit of success in the MEAC before it stopped over in the Big South. Uh, you know the other thing that those three schools all have in common is they bring football to the table, uh, and so you know the CAA sponsors football is sort of a separate quasi entity, um, and so and and know, they all have lacrosse too, correct? And all three of those yeah. have lacrosse as well. You know, I think if you're if you're sitting there looking at it from let's say Towson's perspective, you're probably not sad that you have to play Stony Brook every year. Right. Uh, Monmouth is a program that showed some promise in the Metro Atlantic, and, but will probably need a little bit of time uh, to, to, you know, kind of ramp up a bit uh, to, a, to a more significant league. And, and Hampton's a, a program that debuted to a great deal of buzz, uh, an HBCU adding men's lacrosse probably five or six years ago. And, and they've just kind of, trudged along. They've been through three coaches now. They they didn't play a full Division One schedule until last year, I think it was. And so, you know, that's a program that obviously a school that needs to basically decide how invested it's going to be. I would say that having Chaz Woodson, the former Brown star, uh, as a head coach is, is, is a good sign of investment. Uh, but this is something that clearly raises the bar for them more so than, than, some, than anything else. The other thing I'll point out is with those two, with Hampton leaving the Southern Conference and Stony Brook leaving the America East, uh, you have a possibility of losing a couple automatic bids. Mm. Um, mm. And, and so there's sort of a trickle down effect in, in, in men's lacrosse in particular. That's interesting. And the Southern six. I'm trying to think here. I think that America East was at seven, seven or eight. And they're, and they're losing Hartford because they're moving down to D3. So I got to, I, maybe, maybe this puts them at six now instead and that they're okay uh, kind of losing track of that uh but overall uh those are things that you almost have to think about with those dominoes it's like as soon as you fall below six you lose that automatic bid after a year so okay it's something to monitor and obviously they'll have to make some choices and 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 see if maybe there is further movement because this never seems to stop at any point no, and, and, <laughs> you know chances are that, that there will probably yep. be a little bit more movement normally the way it works and there's a couple there's a couple wild cards out there too that are schools that are like associate members of leagues but aren't full-time members like you think about st joe's they're an a10 school yeah but they're in the nec for uh for men's lacrosse hobart uh, is not a Division One school in any other sport but lacrosse. Right. They're in the NEC. So there's some sort of wiggle room to play with there, uh, although I will say that, that that Southern Conference is a little more vulnerable uh, just because, you know, first off, they kind of had a scramble, not to go too deep into the weeds. They sort of scrambled them and all these other Midwestern and Western schools into two separate leagues, kind of you know, the Southern and the, and the Atlantic Sun. Uh, to sort of create opportunities to get automatic bids for everybody. But now 
that sort of uh, they had twelve schools to play with. You need twelve to be able to do that to to split those two into two sixes. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens on that front. But that's for another year. Yeah, sure, right. right. Yeah, we can think about that then. All right, uh, it's time for a game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player played for? Patrick, I've been thinking about doing this for some time. So I should have warned you. I hope you're willing to have fun with this because I'm technically combining two players into one, and I think you'll understand why. Okay. These are two players that happened... They both happened to share a name. One of them changed their name. Roberto Hernandez and Roberto Hernandez, (laughs) one of which became Fausto Carmona. Now, Uh I, I wanted to combine the two because would you know, Fausto Carmona played for all of the teams... Hang on a second. All the teams that Fausto Carmona played for, Roberto Hernandez also played for, except for one. Okay, so we so, have 16 total. But but it's it's really, in, in the end of the day, it ends up being 11 combined teams Okay. that these two pitchers pitched for. So Fausto okay. Carmona, Roberto Hernandez, and the reliever, Roberto Hernandez, Roberto Hernandez, who I believe is most famous for breaking Cal Ripken's nose at the All-Star game in the photo shoot once. Yes, uh, in 1996. Right, so, correct. So, which Roberto Hernandez, the original or the, the imitator, has the six teams? Uh, it's Fausto Carmona, who had six teams. 16. And then, uh, on the other side, of course, ten for Roberto Hernandez. But I'm saying, let's just lump them all together and make it 11 teams... For either Fausto Carmona or Roberto Hernandez. Well, we know Roberto Hernandez was a, was a Chicago. White Most guy. certainly was, yes. Was Carmona as well? Uh, that was not a. There was no stop in Chicago for Fausto Carmona. Okay, so. Okay, so we have uh, for Roberto Hernandez, he was definitely a, a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. As was Fausto Carmona, a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. <laughs> Um, I believe Roberto Hernandez made a stop in Cleveland. He most certainly did, and of course, as did Fausto Carmona. I am feeling like Philadelphia falls into this. Philadelphia thing. for both of them, in fact. Okay. So I'm missing one Roberto Hernandez, one of the original Roberto Hernandez. No, no, the original, the the reliever Roberto Hernandez was ten teams. Yeah. Wow. So you've got okay. four of those, and you've got three for Fausto Carmona. And five of Fausto Carmona's six stops were also were, stops for Roberto. Hen- Roberto this, this, by the way, right now has chased away anyone that was listening because this yeah, has to be the most confusing yeah, concept. To begin with, when I was talking about Atlantic Fumble. Right. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough to begin with, but we're gonna ride it out anyway for the sake of the game. Okay. Um. Seattle. Not Seattle for either one, believe it or not. You know, I think there was a Rafael Carmona that played. Uh, that might be the, the answer. Mariners. That might be the answer. And I think obviously Felix Hernandez played for the. Day. There you go. You kind of uh, just put everything everything together. So. Everything <laughs> in the box. It's the okay. dumbest. It's the dumbest um, thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> this really is kind of ridiculous. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the. There's a bunch of random small stops. Detroit, maybe? Not Detroit, no. Oh, I thought you were going to do better with some of these. Yeah, well, Roberto Hernandez, kind of, you know, like, he has a bunch of short stops. Uh, there's a, a, there, it's incredibly short stops. I mean, like, unbelievable. It's just the... Let's the Mets The Mets, yes, for Roberto Hernandez, correct, was a Met. Okay. Not <laughs> Fausto Carmona, however. Not Fausto Carmona. 
Shimoda. Well, we need to get a few of these right, huh? Um, how about, uh, I'm trying to take a leftover person popped up there. Um, well, let's see, uh, with, with either of those dudes with the Rockies. Believe it or not, neither one was with the Rockies, which actually surprises me, if I'm being honest with you. Well, let's, Boston, Al. I mean, I'm not at the point where right. I'm going to start throwing up a standby. Yeah, right? but do that is what I'm going to encourage you to do. So not Boston. No, but it's the other. I, oh, man. Uh, how, about, how, about, how about the Yankees? No, it's the one. The Dodgers. That's the one. You always guess the Dodgers. <laughs> Both of them were Dodgers. Both of them were Dodgers. Oh, man, I failed miserably. I think, I think I have done my... Yeah, I've you've done your part. Like the, the, the reason I thought you would do better is there were brave stops for both of them. Okay. And there was a pirate stop for the reliever, Roberto Hernandez. Um, the Roberto Hernandez also had Kansas City, the Giants, and Faustar Carmona also had the Astros. So, look, man, I tried something there. It failed. It's on me. It's more on me than it is on you because I wanted to do something silly for a change. I... I thought that there would be something there. Instead, give me the four teams for Robin Ventura, and we'll wrap up. Oh, dear. Um, well, Robin Ventura was a White Sox. Yep. A Mets. Yep. A Yankee. Yes. And, oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, I think I, I, I think we're going to fall short. Here. Oh, no. You're going to. The other Robin Ventura stop besides those three? In 2003 and 2004, Robin Ventura finished his career. Oh, gosh. Um, where did Ro- Toronto make No. Oh, you're going to be so mad. It was the Dodgers. It was the Dodgers. <laughs> it was Great. the Dodgers of all the weeks for you to not just guess the Dodgers of all the weeks. All right. Where are you going to be this week? Well, I'm actually going up to Piscataway tonight oh, okay. for uh, round two of, of Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, tomorrow... Uh, we'll be uh, at George Mason hosting St. Bonaventure uh, in an interesting A-10 game. Kim English's team has won two in a row now. Mm. Uh, then mm. Towson on Thursday. Uh, they have Delaware in for the second of two. And then Saturday, uh, Maryland has Indiana in. And then Sunday, uh, George Washington has Fordham in. And then James Madison Towson on Monday. So a, a pretty packed schedule here. Heading into the next week. Yeah, weird bit where they're playing. De- Towson and Delaware are playing back to back because they had to make the game up. So uh, just sort of the way that it all worked out. All right, at discourse D one S course on Twitter, the Washington Post as well to see his stuff. Patrick Stevens, appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Awesome. Take care, Clay. Thanks, buddy. Patrick Stevens checking in with us on here at GCR. I thought there was something cheeky about doing Roberto Hernandez and Fausto Carmona at the same time. I apparently was the only one. It was just me. <laughs> I thought it'd be silly. Like they did the same name. It's 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 cute. It it didn't help that his cell service went out a little bit. Ah, oh, well, yeah, well, I don't think that was the problem there. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Honestly, I think it was the concept that was the uh, the particular issue on this one. I think the concept there were conceptual issues with what I was trying to accomplish. It's there. certainly confusing when a player starts in the league with one name and ends with another. Yeah, and I, I honestly, God, I do remember this. Like I remember him. Being Fausto Carmona, and mm-hmm. this is at a time where I was more in tune with baseball and day in, day out, like, stand, because it, the job required a little bit more at that point. Mm. And I remember, I think he was with the, was he with the Indians when he changed his name? Yeah. I think he was. And I remember, like, there being an announcement 
of the first time they faced the Orioles, and they were like, oh, and Fausto Carmona starting for the Indians. And I was like, who the F is Fausto Carmona? <laughs> and Drew like looked at me like, and Drew knew, and that made me really embarrassed because Drew knew. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so it is. <laughs> so it is. Um, uh, it, it failed. It failed. That was a failure on my part. Uh, I want to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement. We'll do that next. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. We had such a good time hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Sunday. I'm not kidding. I wish I could remember the sequence. They were like back-to-back. And maybe Tampa failed on a fourth down in the fourth quarter, and then there was the fumble from Akers like right afterwards. And I literally watched people after Tampa like gave the ball up just stream out. And then Akers fumbles, and they're all racing back to the. F- it was just such an awesome scene in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Great place to hang out for Championship Sunday this week, maybe for the big game. If you want to reserve your table, I would encourage you to email events at sportssocialmd.com if you want to be there. And by the way, there's like as much fun as it is to bet last, it was bet this week, or it'll be to bet, you know, for the Championship Week. All of the props are available for the big game. Like, all of them. They empty the book. We, you can bet in the FanDuel Sportsbook on the halftime show. You can bet on the National Anthem. You can bet on all of those things in the FanDuel Sportsbook. So, you're going to want to be there for the big game. Email them events at sportssocialmd.com and reserve your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook for the big game at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. We'll come back in. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. That's next. Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at my bookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with my bookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at mybookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, my bookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, my bookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on The Battle Round. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with 
Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. Oh, I guess we might have to retire that promo now. Yeah, we might We might have Rest to. Rest assured, we are yeah, wearing pants. I promise pants. you, Cassidy's family, I promise you, we are wearing pants. Oh, man, that's less funny now. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by CCBC. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need, from hardware to programming to cybersecurity, and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu. Edu slash computer training, um, but tomorrow you don't know. Could be right back to not wearing pants. Yeah, th- totally th- this, possible. This is the first day. I pro- th- th- I promise. Warn them. Correct. I and I, that was a promise that I made to Cassidy. I said, look, it's it's just the three of us, but this is a promise. Paul and I will wear pants. That was a solemn promise that I made as we would do this show. All right, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. The announcement is at six o'clock. Uh, there's like a. They're doing like a three-hour pregame show on the MLB no Network because it's all they've had. Well, this is all <laughs> they've had to talk about like right. for for two months since the work stoppage began. They can't talk about any of the current players. They can't talk about any. Of the, all they've had to talk about on the MLB Network is the Hall of Fame announcement for two months. And what if nobody gets in? Oh, it's a three-hour uh, a, a three-hour show for they, nothing. It's not Jeff Idelson anymore. There's a new Hall of Fame president. I, is it Josh Rawich who used to be with the? No I, idea. I believe that's the the new Hall of Fame president because Jeff Idelson stepped down. Um, I want to say it might it really might be Josh Rawich who used to work um, out in Arizona with the Diamondbacks when I was out there. I want to double check on that, but uh, oh no, apparently it's someone named Tim. No, I was right. It's Josh Rawich. Josh Rawich, who used to work for the Diamondbacks, is now the president of the Hall of Fame. So I assume he's the one that'll make the announcement. There is a vi- very real chance. Very that, real that, chance. That the, the guy will come up and be like, "Well, after three hours, the long well, way announcement." Because this has happened before. They still do the dumb bit. They still like he still walks out with like the stupid envelope mm-hmm. and like opens it up and is like, "Nobody's in here." Like they still we'll see you for three hours next year. Correct. A hundred. And they got like an hour post game show afterwards too. It's a four-hour program, and if I remember correctly, the actual announcement will be at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. 6 o'clock tonight for the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, the latest update from the BBHOF tracker is that they are at roughly 50% of ballots that are known. Roughly 50%. And at the moment, it, they have just ticked up to 49.5%. At the moment, David Ortiz is still over the threshold of 75 percent at the moment david ortiz would still get in to the baseball hall of fame the 
the concept related to David Ortiz, and we'll talk about it in a second, has always been, is he, like other steroid guys, going to have that number drop with the late ballots that are turned in? Mm-hmm. And I think that is sort of, there's a split feeling about that. Um, so there have been people that are that are do deep dives on these things and say, based on whose ballots he showed up on so far and whose he hasn't, there are people that genuinely believe that David Ortiz will still clear the threshold for 75% and will get in. Like they've run these simulations mm-hmm. and the simulations say like there's a seven out of 10 chance that he's going to make the hall of fame today. Um, the question that I asked on Twitter earlier today is very simple. What would you be excited about? And what would bother you? What would you say? I'd be excited if this plays out. Now, part of the problem is, at this point, we kind of know too much, right? Like we would, I think there are a lot of things that you'd be excited about. But like, if you're someone who loves Scott Rowland, at this point, you know Scott Rowland's not getting in, right? Right? Like, there's just we know too much about this. So, if you're someone who'd be like, I'd be really excited if Scott Rowland got in. Eh, well, I got bad news. Womp womp. I'm sorry. It's, and I look, I like Scott Rowland. I think he should get into the Hall of Fame. But he's that we've got enough data at this point to know Scott Rowland is not getting in as he sits on 69.6% of the ballots. He's not going to show up on, you know, 85% of the remaining ballots in order to get in. What are Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens numbers? Barry Bonds is sitting at 77.8. Roger Clemens is at 76.8. The consensus is based on like who the votes are in from. And he has not been added to enough. His number, their numbers would have been needed to have been, if Ortiz is sitting at 83.5, the consensus has been they needed to be at more like 85, 86 mm-hmm. in order to survive the drop-off on the remaining ballots in order to get in. And that's significant, of course, because this is their final year on the ballot. They will end up on one of these committees at some point down the road. I, the Today's Game era, I believe, is the name of that committee. I don't know when that first opportunity is for them to get on into that committee. I just don't – it's not something I've studied it's not as if this will end the chances of those guys getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, there will be other chances. I don't know how much their chances will improve on those committees, right? I just don't know enough about the makeup of those committees to understand who would be inclined to vote for Barry Bonds and who would not be inclined to vote for Barry Bonds. Uh, to, you bring that up because when I asked this question on Twitter earlier, among the responses that I got was from Eric Delinsky, who used to work at Mass. And I actually don't know what Eric's doing these days. I like Eric. He's a good guy. Um, said it would it would really bother me if Ortiz gets voted in, but Bonds and Clemens do not. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling would bo- getting in would bother me also. Uh, lastly, in my opinion, Omar Vizquel should be in as well. I know the and, and look, I'm a definitely a, a guy that's willing to. I I think I would have voted for Omar Vizquel if I had a vote. Um, but you know he's on ten percent of ballots. He's definitely not getting in. It would be, it would be criminal. If David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame, not only gets into the Hall of Fame, gets into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, and Barry Bonds doesn't. Barry Bonds is one of the top five players who have ever played the game of baseball. He is the epitome of a five-tool player. David Ortiz is a one-tool player. It's a very good tool, but he's a one-tool player. Barry Bonds is a five-tool player who was a Hall of Famer before he supposedly started taking steroids. And you also have to think about the fact that he was the best of his era, and his era was the steroid era. So he was still the best in that era. Barry Bonds should have been in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. One. Two, if he doesn't get in and David Ortiz does, the whole thing's a joke. The whole thing's a joke. I'm going to read something because I last night I was thinking about I wish I would have thought of this ahead of time. Very late last night I was thinking to myself, would you try to find somebody who voted 
for Ortiz and didn't vote for Bonds, right? Like, I, I just want to find that person. And I did finally find someone, but I just realized, and it's actually someone I know, and I just didn't have his number handy to send to you, and I forgot about it this morning to mm-hmm. say I needed to look for it. Dijon uh, Kovacevic, who uh, runs a website in Pittsburgh called DK Pittsburgh Sports, and he's been a longtime uh, columnist and writer, and he wrote for the paper. I don't remember the name of the paper now. Newspapers are dead, so I'm sorry. I've just forgotten what the names of newspapers are. Tribune Review, is that the one that was in Pittsburgh? Um, the Post-Gazette, I think that's the one. He wrote for them for a long time. He has covered baseball for a very long time. And he is among the people that have voted for David Ortiz but did not vote for Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. I found the column that he wrote about his Hall of Fame vote. And I'm going to read from it and just, just for the sake of the conversation, right? Uh, to get this out of the way, if the Baseball Hall of Fame and or Major League Baseball itself were to eliminate the character clause... Yes, absolutely, I'd vote for Barry Bonds and any and all cheaters provided their on-field performance was worthy. No, for real. Um, He goes on to say, the baseball hall isn't my hall, it's the hall's hall. The guidelines are there, the guidelines get followed. Now, there is a character clause. As we know, there are, uh, Honus Wagner is in the Hall of Fame, Mm -hmm. right? There, if the character clause mattered, Honus Wagner would not be in the Hall of Fame. He was an awful human being, right? Um, but it does exist. I never heard that about Honus Wagner. I heard that about Ty Cobb. Oh, that's what I meant, Ty Cobb. So I don't know why I said Honus Wagner. Jesus. My apologies to Honus Wagner. I don't think he's with us any longer. Uh, my apologies <laughs> to Honus Wagner. Of course I meant Ty Cobb. Why did I say Honus Wagner? I don't know. But I was like, Honus Wagner No, you're No, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. I definitely meant Ty Cobb. What the hell happened there? <laughs> um, 1,000% correctly. Let me go to um, what he wrote about Ortiz. The baseball case for Ortiz is a breeze. He's got a career 286, 385, 552 line, a 141 OPS plus, 2,472 hits, 541 home runs, 10 seasons of 100 plus RBIs, 10 all-star appearances, 7 silver sluggers, and 5 occasions of finishing the top 5 American League MVP voting. He's got the counting stats, the rare stats, even the team component with the Red Sox having won three World Series in his time, and Ortiz going 11 for 16 in the 2013 series to claim MVP. One problem. In 2009, the New York Times reported that Ortiz was one of 104 MLB players who turned up positive for PEDs during anonymous testing in 2003. But no other information emerged from that report, including what substance might have been found. Instead, it later was learned that 13 of those tests turned up false positives without knowing which ones since they were anonymous and because of that ortiz who's passionately maintained his innocence couldn't have his own request to learn more fulfilled the level of support that followed for ortiz was without precedent for someone facing such an accusation all the way up to rob manfred making this extraordinary statement in 2016 about the 2003 tests quote Back then, it was hard to distinguish between certain substances that were legal, available over the counter, and not banned under our program, and certain banned substances. We were not certain if it was a banned substance. Even if Rob Manfred's name was on that list, he might have been one of those 10 or 15 where there was a a probability or possibility, a very legitimate explanation that did not involve the use of a banned substance. I think it's really unfortunate that everybody's name was ever released publicly. T.J. Quinn, an ESPN investigative reporter who's been breaking stories on steroids at the time, you remember T.J. Quinn and Mark Fainer-Uwada wrote uh, Game of Shadows, of course, said last month of Ortiz, 
Quote, we know he was on a list, but we don't know what he took, if it was banned at the time, what the levels were, whether it was something that plausibly could have become, could have become from a supplement. If that's enough to keep him off your Hall of Fame ballot, so be it. But you just can't equate him with people who are identified as dopers by either a test or non-analytical evidence. What, what Mark McGuire was taking in 1998 was legal at the time. Yes, but didn't we? Wasn't there additional reporting that we learned? Because you're referring to was Andro? Was that what yeah. that what that was? Didn't we learn afterwards that he was also taking steroids? Wasn't there a re- yeah? I mean, Jose Canseco said he was injecting him himself. Correct uh, in the in the eighties. Yes, 90s. In, in right in the butt. He was right. giving yeah. him uh, steroids right in the butt. Correct. Yeah. Take that how you will. Sorry, Cassidy. It's I didn't mean that as a, you know what I mean. Like yeah, I I think. For example, the better argument somebody might make is if you didn't vote for Jeff Bagwell, you can't vote for David Ortiz, mm-hmm. right? But there might be just enough gray area for someone to say, I'm not going to vote for Barry Bonds, but I will vote for David Ortiz. The problem that I have with that continues to be, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is the Hall of Fame? David Ortiz was a hell of a hitter. Was he a great baseball player? No, but he was a hell of a hitter. Mm-hmm. We all know David Ortiz was a nothing defensively was you know when he played no good and then for the majority of his career didn't even bother playing couldn't run either he correct he offered nothing in that way he was a one trick pony Mm -hmm. the steroid thing even if you want to try to absolve david ortiz and if you you're doing that based on the idea we don't we don't know that we have hard evidence right we think we might but we don't know that if that isn't enough for you to consider whether maybe the guy, as you point out, Barry Bonds, who we have hard evidence and hard reporting based on, but yet we know was a drastically better baseball player than David Ortiz. Seven MVPs. Seven. It's everything he was better at than David Ortiz. Everything. There is literally nothing that David Ortiz did as well as Barry Bonds. Nothing. Not one thing that David Ortiz did as well as Barry Bonds. That's that's where the issue comes back to. And to hide behind the character clause, to me, comes off as cowardly. It's I a, agree. It's cowardly to say, I'm going to use the, the character clause as the way that I don't vote for someone. Um, uh, uh, give my buddy Mike a call if you don't mind. I am with you, Eric, and I'm with everyone else who has that opinion. You want to vote for David Ortiz? Vote for David Ortiz. There's absolutely an argument for David Ortiz as a Hall of Famer. I think the argument is closer to what? It's Mike. Um, you want to vote for David Ortiz because you know he was a hell of a power hitter. I think you're, the actual argument is I don't know how much better he was than Mark McGuire. Was he a better clutch hitter? Yeah. Was it, it, that's not true. He was a better overall hitter. I just strike that from the record. He was a better overall hitter than Mark McGuire was. I'm sorry. That was unfair for me to say. He was a drastically better overall hitter than Mark McGuire was. David Ortiz is a strong Hall of Fame argument. But it's nothing in comparison to Barry Bonds. Zero. There is no debate between these players. Barry Bonds has one of the craziest stats no, it's, in, in, in the history he's got a lot of, of the them, game. For what it's worth. But one of the craziest stats that I've ever seen in 2004, Barry Bonds had 373 plate appearances, and he got on base like 375 yeah. times. 
I mean, uh, oh, he, no, I'm sorry. He had 373 at, at, at bats, legal right. at bats, and he got on base like 375 and, times. And again, the argument that people would make was because the steroids changed his pro- his prodigious product. What's the what's the what is the what is the prowess? Prowess is that the way to say that? Prodigious is the word that I'm looking for, and I was oh. going to say prodigiousness. Is that the right ver- form of it? Prodigiosity. Prodigiosity. Yes. Now, let's go with that. It. Right. We'll go with prodigiosity as a home run hitter. That was the reason why pitchers start refused to pitch to him, right? Why Buck Showalter literally walked him with the bases loaded. So they'll say that's an unfair you know, stat to pull up because that was also a reflection of the steroid use, that, that pitchers weren't doing that to him beforehand, but he was a complete baseball player beforehand. It's basically widely reported. And by the way, as I've said before, I have personal experience with Barry Bonds being an utter a-hole. Oh, he's a jerk. I got so is Robert Clemens by Barry. Uh, you know what? Strike that from the record. I got all right. How do I say this? Screwed correctly? over. Screwed over by Barry Bonds once, and yet I'd still bang on the table about this. What I what I will say is, yeah, he started getting on getting walked at historic rates. But before 1998, in the six seasons before 1998, he led the majors in walks five times. I'm with you. I'm the, with you. He was still the most feared hitter in the game before. Barry Bonds is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and the fact that he's not going to get in is mind-boggling to me. He's, he's one of the best players that's ever lived. I hear you, man. Top I five. We'll find out later today. It does appear as though it's either David Ortiz or no one that will get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, we had a really special day yesterday because finally, and I'm so sorry it took so long, but we were finally able to get everything you all donated down to Helping Up Mission to help them take care of those that need it. And if you saw in the Baltimore Sun today, there was a great story about the new women's shelter that is opening uh, as part of Helping Up Mission. And that's the reason why I kept saying, we don't just need men's stuff. We need women's stuff. We need kids' stuff. We need stuff for everyone because that shelter is opening in the next month. And it, it is, we saw it. It is immaculate, the new women's shelter. I've never seen anything like it. It's incredible, the investment that has been made to help those that need it most in our community. My friend Mike Soler from um, Blue Line Canine was so kind. He and Ben Lamoon came and uh, Charlie Colson, John's son, and really helped us out. Mike is with us now here on GCR. Mike, uh, did you have any idea what you were getting into when you signed up to help us out and getting stuff down to Helping Up Mission yesterday? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Be, uh, what ha- so what? the only thing I knew was somebody asked me to help people in need, and the answer is immediately, what? yeah, en route. I, I, I greatly appreciate that, man. Um, it took Mike and Ben and Charlie started while we were around like 11 when we were still on the air. And by the time we wrapped up at 1220, it still took about another 40 minutes for us to get. So of the better part of two hours to get a conference room full of coats and clothes that you donated down to. Uh, can you tell everybody the dimensions of the trailer that we literally filled yesterday? Yeah, it was a seven foot by twelve foot trailer with not a spot to spare. Uh, I mean, this thing was packed to the gills. Um, it was. It took a logistic master of Ben to figure out how to Insane. get everything in there. Ins- I mean, like I've, uh, I've 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 played a lot of Tetris in my life. I, ben could win every Tetris championship for the history yeah, of ever oh yeah. because getting all of this stuff. Playing, I think he's still playing the original game right, right now because he hasn't lost yet. Right, correct. Yeah, it's insane. Filled literally to the point where there couldn't be somebody standing in the trailer to put the stuff in. It was utterly and completely filled with all the things that you donated. Oh, and by the way, Drew had filled another bus worth of stuff 
before all the stuff that you guys had brought to Glory Days Grill that night was still sitting there, and Drew had to get that down there yesterday on top of it. It's unreal. I mean, I couldn't even try. Mike, would you even have a guess to the number of items that we took down there to helping up Mission yesterday? Uh, I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even want to pose. I, I probably am going to go with thousands. I mean, not. I think it's possibly that it's it's over ten thousand. I think it's possible that it's more like twenty to thirty. I mean, it's insane what you all donated. It's incredible. I'm so grateful for it, uh, Mike. You got to see the new women's shelter that's being built that we were just talking about. What an unbelievable facility that is! Like that. I mean, that looks like a a, a hotel, man. <laughs> like, yeah. That it legitimately looks incredible. Um, what what we what you guys did for helping up mission really overwhelming like honest to God overwhelming the way that you guys change lives by donating your coats your clothes the people that need it most um, Mike you guys stepping up and getting involved um, tell people about Blue Line Canine what it is that you guys do and and why this was something that you wanted to be involved with yeah so Blue Line Canine is a in home dog training company as well as location we help people build relationships with their dogs. Uh, we also, you know, work with behavioral dogs, dogs that are, you know, struggling and aggressive, and we do our best to educate the owners and the dogs so that way they can have a happy, healthy life together. Um, and with that being said, it's the same idea here. We want to be a part of our community. We want to give back. We want to see everybody on all levels, you know, continue to succeed in their lives. You know, so when you're you know, down and out, you know, we want to be there to help you get back up. So when uh, like this opportunity came, it, it really just strings right with us, and it was an honor to be a part of it. Man, more than anything, I, I can't thank you enough. We love what you guys are all about. You can find out more Blue Line K Nine. That's with the number nine dot com. Blue Line K Nine dot com. Uh, you want to throw out a phone number as well, Mike? Yeah, our our direct number would be one eight hundred two six six two three six five. Again, one eight hundred two six six two three six five, and you know, if you guys are looking to build that bond with your relationships with your dogs and uh, be a part of your community, uh, we're, we're the ones that give a call to. Uh, it's it's an incredible thing, man, and it's such an incredible thing what you did yesterday. I, I am so grateful to you, to Ben, to Charlie, and, and to everyone in the community who stepped up and donated. I, I was joking with you guys that I thought we didn't have enough, right? <laughs> like, I was like, we should do another <laughs> yeah. event. And then when I saw everything, I said, oh, my God. We, we It was almost to the point where it was going to become a logistical problem for everybody at Helping Up Mission to uh to, to intake everything that you guys donated but you have changed lives and and you have improved our community so uh thank you to you guys and mike a, a major thank you to you man seriously a, a huge stepping up not even knowing what you're getting into just saying if i can help people i'm i'm gonna be there to do it um I, I can't put into words you took out hours of your day yesterday uh and your business to do something like that and it means the world to me that you would step up and do that dude you're very welcome, and like I said, it was an honor to be a part of it, and I'm um, privileged to, to have the opportunity to even be asked. So well, it's, it's an honor. Well, we're going to be in touch more, and we're going to be talking about you guys, and we're going to be looking forward to partnering up. And, and now that we know you're in for it, we're going like, to make it, we're gonna make it uh, an annual thing. Uh, we're going to make it something yeah. that you guys are a part of moving forward. Mike Solar, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes this morning. And more than anything, thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us out and helping, helping up Mission. You're very welcome. Thank you. Mike Solar, Blue Line Canine, checking in with us this morning. You guys, I, I, I've never seen anything like this. We've been doing this, Drew and I, for over a decade now. This is insane. This is insane what you guys did. I, I'm speechless. I mean, like, I'm truly speechless. We used that conference room for that basketball preview. Yeah. I couldn't believe we ever got in that room. 
based well, on all the clothes that were in there, all the jackets and whatnot. We hadn't even started at that point. I know. You know, like, we hadn't even started. I'm, like, I just didn't have content. And looking at it, I was like, there's a lot of stuff, but it's not that. Like, I literally was saying to myself, if we if we can't get a trailer, we could probably just make a couple trips. It would have taken 50 trips, mm-hmm. at least, with cars to get down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, insane. Thank you. Bless you all for everything that you did for our community. Um I have had people that have reached out and said, I didn't get it in in time. Can I still bring, I still got stuff for you. The answer is yes. I, um, I'm there once a month uh, helping out at Helping Up Mission. And if you want to stop by the studio or you know, tell me to come meet you, I'll come get stuff from you and I'll take it there myself during the course of the year. I'm happy to do that. Anything we can do to lift up those that need it most in our community, I, I will do everything I need to do. I will come out. I will pick it up from you, um, however we can go about doing it. But I am always able to take stuff for you uh down to helping up mission they constantly are in the need of clothes if if you're feeling charitable they really do it's the reason why we did uh, socks and underwear they always need that because you can't donate it of course you can't just you know give them your old socks and underwear we got to go buy new socks and underwear so if you're feeling charitable and you want to go buy socks and underwear to donate undershirts things like that that would mean that that it, they have a constant forever need for that at helping up mission and that's what we're talking about we're talking and sometimes about people that have nothing literally nothing that are going there to pick up their lives so um thank you uh, abundantly thank you thank you to mike solar ben lamoon uh the folks at blue line canine um charlie colson who has helped in, helping us out john colson didn't help yesterday but has helped us out a lot during the process um thank you thank you thank you all of you uh it just truly was overwhelming to see that yesterday today's show brought to you by your local toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you find out more by going to buyatoyota.com and find out deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today Let's talk a little bit more Ravens. Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer, is with us now here on GCR. Bo Smolka, good morning, sir. How are you, my friends? Good. I'm good, thank you. Bo, you uh, wrote about, of course, uh, in the aftermath of uh, Sunday night, everybody's been talking about the overtime thing. You reminded everyone about a proposal the Ravens made. I, I referenced it briefly in a column yesterday. I, I think this is insane. Like the, the, this, this suggestion, while unique and cheeky and clever, absolutely in no ways addresses the actual problem that people have, which is the need for both teams to see the ball in overtime. In the Ravens' proposal, which, while, again, is is interesting, right? you got to make a decision of some sort. It still creates the scenario where if the first team goes and scores, the game's over. I, I just don't think anybody in the public is going to be all right with that. You are correct. <clears throat> so it is uh, the the. the the Harbaugh method, and it's not just Harbaugh. The Ravens propose it. He he actually um, it's called spot and choose, and you probably brought it up. But yeah, so one team that wins the coin flip would dictate the line of scrimmage to spot the ball to begin overtime, and the other team would then get to decide whether to play offense or to play defense from that spot. And John Harbaugh and his you know they they mentioned it's like the, the two the old scenario of two kids splitting a cookie and the first kid breaks it and the second kid gets the choice of which which one he wants. So when the first kid, knowing that, is going to make sure he breaks that really close to the, right. as half as he can, 
last year when the Ravens proposed this, they proposed two ideas. One was spot and choose with sudden death, first team to score wins. The second one was spot and choose, but you play out a full overtime period of seven minutes and 30 seconds. To your point, in both those situations, you could have a case where, let's say on Sunday night, uh, the Chiefs won the toss and spotted the ball at the nine-yard line going out. So the Bills were 91 yards away from the end zone. The Bills have to decide, do we want to play offense or defense on that spot? The Bills, frankly, might have said, we're going to play offense. We think Josh Allen's going to take us down the Correct. field and score. So they do, and Josh Allen takes them down the field and score. And now what is everyone saying? This is garbage. The Chiefs never got a chance to have the ball. And even if you do it with the spot and choose seven minute, 30 minute over seven minute, 30 second overtime, the Ravens have run drives of that long. And it's possible a team would have the ball stay starting at their own, I don't know, 14 yard line. You could easily have a team possess the ball the entire length of time. And then here comes Justin Tucker to kick a 31 yard field goal at the end of the seven thirty. The Ravens win by three. And what's everyone saying? The not, other team get a chance to have fair. the ball. Yep. So I think that is the critical issue here is, for the most part, it seems there's a drumbeat for both teams to have a chance to possess the ball. The John Harbaugh spot-and-choose method does not guarantee that, as you said. It seems the college method is the way that both teams will possess the ball. Whether you want to say, all right, look, we're going to give each team a chance to have the ball starting in midfield even and not just at the 25, there are other ways you could do that. But I think the drumbeat seems to be Somehow, let's come up with a system that allows both teams to possess the ball. And let's face it, other people will say, look, the Bills had a chance. All they did was stop them. First of all, I had to stop them in 13 seconds and maybe right. not take it. Correct. That's a whole yeah. other issue. Yeah, it's, yes. But all the Bills have to do is stop them on defense. And people will say that. But I, I, the argument clearly at this point more and more seems to be both teams need to have a chance to touch the ball. And, and look, there is, I think there's two separate things, right? Because I, I don't, I think there are people that believe we're saying this is the only reason why the Bills lost the game. No, that's not it at all. They, the, the 100%, Bo, like 13 seconds left, you can't keep a team from kicking a field goal. You deserve to lose the game, frankly, right? Um, but it's the idea of fairness. And when you say, hey, all you got to do is stop them, well, why does the other team not? To, to, why is it that only one team has to make a stop and the other team doesn't? When you, when people try to say that, well, defense matters, right? But only to one team. Like, the only the team that happened to get the luck of the way that a coin flipped is the only team to whom defense matters. That's the problem the, with the argument and why it comes off as intellectually dishonest. We're not You're not saying defense matters. You're saying defense matters for 50% of the teams that are involved in the game. I was going to say, it didn't matter to the Chiefs in overtime. Correct. The defense didn't matter at all. They didn't have to. So that's I, I don't I, that part of the argument falls flat. Yes, you're right. The Bills lost, and they deserve to lose based on what the rules are. We just A lot of us think the rules can be better than that, and it's not the best way to go about determining a winner when the game particularly, and I, I've listened to the argument that you don't need to have the same you know overtime rules in the regular season as you do in the playoffs, and I'll listen to that 100%. The playoffs, when we're trying to decide a champion, it seems as though we would try to do something that's the most fair for determining a winner in these games. And and really, Bo, I don't I don't understand at all why the answer isn't just, and this is what I wrote about, play it the exact same way that you're playing it. Just don't let a team win if they score a touchdown on the first drive. Do everything else the exact same way. They score a touchdown, go let the other team have the ball. If the game's still tied, play sudden death from there. I, I it's the same thing you're doing. You're just adding in, you're taking away, and as the rule is written, you're taking away the part where there's an exception for if a team scores a touchdown. That's it. You're just saying, 
You go do whatever you're going to do, then the other team gets the ball. If at the end of that it's still tied, we play sudden death from there. And that's the way well, that Well, you goes. know it's going to happen then. Someone's going to say, wait, wait, then the Chiefs went down and scored the Chiefs I, two possessions. Bill's only but at the, one. But, Bo, the Bills had the opportunity to go for two if they would have liked. Right? Like, they got to make the choice. If they trusted their defense to go back out there, that's on them. Right? Like, if they don't th- trust their defense, then you get to go for two and try to control it and end the game right there if you so choose. That's to me, that's the definition of fair. It's the definition of you're the team, you get to make the decision as to which you're going to be able to do better. We, of course, know what John Harbaugh would do in that situation if that were the yeah. case. And if you're the Bills, I would probably think they would have done the If that was the scenario, my gut would tell me the Chiefs go score a touchdown, the Bills match it, then they go for two and decide to win the game right there. And if they don't, that's on them. They failed, right? Like, I, 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 to me, that it's utterly and completely fair to do it that way. We'll see. I, I, I hear you, and that, that's clearly the argument. I, you know, I, I like the idea of. Um, I, I do like the idea of both teams having possession. I wouldn't mind having to, having to start at midfield and not just get the ball and automatically be in field goal range. And have right. To yeah. You have to earn something. Correct. I, don't, I will say I don't like the idea of different rules for the playoffs on the regular season. I'm totally on board with discussing the argument, but. Those 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 regular season games are going to dictate playoff seeding and so forth, and so I think no, it's I, I would prefer that the rules, whatever they the are, uniform, be the same. Yeah, yes. I probably would too, for what it's worth. But I, I probably would line up with that. All right, now that all aside, because that debate is going to continue to rage on. Um, the Ravens are in the market for a defensive coordinator. Um, one, your surprise, if any, about the decision to move on from from Wink Martindale. And the fact that we're seeing that they are interested in outside candidates, which typically has not been the case when the Ravens have been in the market for a defensive coordinator over the years. That is correct. At my level of surprise, I was moderately surprised. I just thought that um, everything that happened with this team this year, that, that Wink Martindale, look, I know they finished last in passing. They had one of the worst defensive teams they've ever had statistically. But he also was dealing without Marcus Peters and for most of the year Deshaun Elliott and for most of the year Marlon Humphrey and all year Derek Wolf and all year LJ Fortin. So he had a very shorthanded he was basically playing with half a deck of cards for most of the year. So I thought he might get um kind of a, a free pass on this year. Not a free pass, but but you know, understanding the situation. Having thought of it a little more, there were signs that maybe things weren't all, all that well. And though I keep going back to that game at Pittsburgh, and John Harbaugh said after the game he made a comment to the extent of, well, if you run cover zero enough times, you're going to get burned or something like that. And it was, to me, Hmm. it was kind of subtle, but it was also one of the first times I can remember what sounded like kind of a rebuke of his staff, which he rarely does. It was so unusual because he just doesn't do it. Right. But it seemed he was not happy with the setup there. And then, of course, there was the cover zero blitz when Chris Westry got burned in Chicago and they scrambled to win that game. And afterwards they said, well, we're better off letting them score there um, or having them score quickly there. And I understand what he's saying there as well. But so then you start thinking about it. And then of course there was the situation where Wink said, Joe Burrow doesn't need to have a gold jacket yet. And that got the Bengals all fired up and he probably didn't appreciate Wink is giving the Bengals bulletin board fodder. I don't think any coaching change is being made because of a comment that ends up in Cincinnati bulletin board or whatever. I just think there was something there that they decided we're at a point where we need to move on. I've I've heard reports that there was also, you know, Wing Martin was going into the last year of his contract, whether he wanted an extension and the Ravens weren't willing to do that and whether that came to a head over it, that could have also been a factor. I haven't confirmed that, but that definitely could have been a factor. 
So it did strike me as a bit of a surprise, um, but I could see now a little looking a little deeper um, where some things were headed. I will say in terms of the successor, you make a great point. I mean, this is a team that has almost throughout its history hired from within for this position, going back to Marvin Lewis. Yep. I mean, you had Greg Madison replace him. You had Chuck Pagano replace him. You had Dean Pease replace him. You had Wink replace him, always within the organization. And now there's talk that they had, they had requested an interview with Joe Witt for the Dallas secondary coach. And let's face it, Dallas led the league in interceptions. That had to be appealing to the Ravens front office to, to see what a team could do in that situation. Internally, if, if they were to hire internally, I think the top candidates would be Anthony Weaver and Chris Hewitt. Chris Hewitt, the secondary coach, was uh, considered or was mentioned as a possibility if Wink Martindale, remember a couple of years ago, Wink Martindale interviewed for the New York Giants head job. And of course, then at that time, speculation started running rampant who would take over. And Chris Hewitt's name came up a lot then. Now, Anthony Weaver wasn't here at the time. Um, Anthony Weaver, defensive line coach, played here a bit, was a defensive coordinator in Houston, so he's got that experience. It might be awkward if Weaver would get the job and it would appear to be a jump over the line over Hewitt. Um, I will say, honestly, I don't think Hewitt's stock improved this year with the way this secondary played. Um, and it was a mess, but it wasn't all his fault. They had backups of backups playing significantly, right. so that was difficult to assess. Um, but I think if they were to go outside the organization, and another name that comes up is Mike McDonald, who was here yep. and then went to Jim Harbaugh's staff at the University of Michigan, highly regarded young coach. Um, I think he would be in the mix as well, and I don't know if you'd consider that an outside candidate, but if they were to go to somebody like Witt or the Dallas secondary coach, that to me would be a signal that they want a organizational reset on the defensive side of the ball. That w- that would be a notable change. Yeah. That, as you said, that's not how the Ravens operate. And, and but he- I'll also say this. If you're Witt and you think on paper, this is the Ravens, This is the their foundation is defense. Right. I mean, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, all that. Right. But when you look, but then you look at this team, 32nd ranked pass defense last year, you probably are going to completely rebuild the defensive line. Your top outside linebacker just tore his Achilles, Tyus Bowser, and is probably, we don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. You have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters coming off major injuries. You don't know if Deshaun Elliott's coming back, who, who is a free agent and is coming off another major injury. There are a lot of defensive questions to this team. Yeah, but Bo, other than all that. <laughs> right. So, uh, but your defensive coordinator for the Ravens, a team that is consistently going to compete, um, it would be a good position. But I think if they were to go outside the organization, that would be a signal to me that they want kind of a, a reset. And maybe that's what they want with so much turnover coming anyway. Uh, Bo Smolka with us here on GCR. And Bo, I, I can't help but sort of tie in this question that a lot of people have been asking about. The pass rush thing that that is, is this a factor in some sort of way? Is it you know that that maybe the Wink Martindale scheme is so reliant on having a strong secondary, and if the Ravens are about to pay Lamar Jackson, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to do that to constantly put an incredibly strong secondary of all top-notch cover corners on the field, and they need to get to a place where where if they draft a young pass rusher, it's this player becomes an impact player and it's you know i i don't think i i don't think it's unfair for us to talk about what we've seen from zadarius smith elsewhere and what we saw from matt judon this season and 
what a nothing Yannick Ngakwe was in Baltimore and then hasn't been anywhere else he's been in his career, right? I just, I don't think that's an unfair thing to discuss when assessing what's happened with this defense and where it's moving. No, I think it's totally fair. And I do think that, you know, Wing Martin made a lot of headlines this past summer on that call with season ticket holders when he said he thought sacks were, he called it a superficial stat. Right. And he said, basically, give me, you know, I'll take cover corners. We'll figure out ways to get to the quarterback, but I want guys that can cover. And that may be his philosophy, but he lost the guys that can cover this year. I mean, he was playing with guys that couldn't cover when you figure he lost Humphrey and he lost Peters and he lost Averett. At one point, they were playing guys that were basically yes, called up Kevin Seymour, right? Had been yeah. on the, had been in the league. They were on the street a week ago. Right. So if that's the, you know, if you're leaning on your corners to be able to do that, then because, and you're going to create pass rush fine if you have the really strong corners, but they didn't have really strong corners this year. And then the pass rush wasn't getting there. And so that might've all played into it. I do think it's interesting before Zadarius Smith, really though, when you go back and look at like, Paul Kruger and a couple other guys that left the organization didn't have as good a time when they left the Ravens. But you're right. The past few years, guys have left the Ravens and they have their their sack numbers and their production has sharply jumped. So I certainly that thinks that bears uh, scrutiny. And so they're going to have to develop a better pass rush than they had. However, they do it, whether that's getting OA really on board, whether it's another OA type player, um, but it's it's it it's a you're right it's a fair yeah and, comment and, but I think I think generically it's will you if you if you draft or you know have a pa- a player whose whose skill is a an edge rusher will you allow them to simply be an edge rusher because we just know that's not what the Ravens have done they said we don't we don't have players who just rush the passer that they, they they have linebackers they have you know and when you have Terrell Suggs it's great because he as it turns out he's one of the great complete linebackers they've ever had. Um, and Tyus Bowser right now looks like an incredible, complete linebacker, um, you know, provided he returns to health, right? But it just seems like there has been a complete unwillingness to just say, this player's strength is going and getting a quarterback on the ground, so that's the only thing we're going to ask them to do is go and get the player on the ground. Yeah, I think, I think they might have thought that might have been something Jalen Ferguson was going to do when they brought him in. Okay. Remember, he had set yep. that record at Louisiana yep. Tech before he got here. Yep. To never quite developed into that, and um, but you know they 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 have to get they have to get a more disruptive pass rush, and they, I think they'd like to get more disru- disruptive inside as well. Um, I thought they I thought Justin Matabike might be a little more disruptive this year than he turned out to be after watching him just destroy uh, the offensive line in training camp, but he was more quiet than we might have thought. But all of it all of it falls into yeah this is the job of the defensive coordinator to find ways to be disruptive as a pass rush and and to cover and this year like i said it was so different because you had so many injuries and so many different guys playing but um there were obviously this was a point where John Harbaugh front office whoever just obviously got to a point where they decided this is not the way they want to do things going forward at least with wink so um, whether they stick internally or not, I think will be a fascinating thing to watch. All right, Bo, two things quickly before I let you go. One, d- does does this announcement make you assume at this point that you know they're probably not moving on from Greg Roman because we are two and a half weeks removed from the end of the season roughly now? Like, Or do you still think that like they need to come out? Clearly, John Harbaugh still hasn't spoke to this point yet, right? Like, Do, do you still need to hear from him before you make that assumption? 
I guess it's good to hear from him before they make the assumption. I've been operating on the assumption that he's coming back uh, because they haven't made a change, but no one's told me that. And um, I, I wouldn't think you'd want that situation twisting in the wind too long either. Um, but And I do think that I think the Ravens have to decide what they want to do be on offense. Because it's you know they with great fanfare they talked about how they were going to be be this revolutionary offense a couple of years ago and it worked remarkably well and the architect of that offense was Roman I mean what, detractors can say what they want but the bottom line is that offense that they want to be so revolutionary and that basically rolled them to a fourteen and two record the architect of that offense was Roman now can it sustain? Is it is it different than it was then? Do they still want to be that? If they still want to be that, then I think Roman's their guy. If they want to be different from that, if they want to become more of a passing team, if they want to make Lamar Jackson yep. and make Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews, they want to make them the centerpieces, then maybe that's a different coordinator to be there. So, like I said, I think the fundamental question is what do they want to be on offense? I, uh, you and I have uh, agreed about that. And, you know, again, it's if, if they want to do that, then it's not going to be with Greg Roman because that's just not what he does, right? But if they want to do – if this is who they want to be, there's not anybody that does it better than Greg Roman. So I do think it simply comes down to that. Um, and then, Bo, do you have any interest in saying anything at all about Antonio Brown? <laughs> uh, I – I can't believe we're here again, is what I would say about that. Um, We were here all last spring talking about this. We must have asked John Harbaugh about this, I don't know, 15 times when Lamar Jackson spoke, he was asked about it. When Marquise Brown spoke, he was asked about it. I I can't believe we're here again. And I'm... So I'm not interested in talking about it, but I guess we have to talk about it. I I don't know that we have to either, Bo, because I just... So he wants to play for the Ravens. So does my six-year-old, for the record. <laughs> like, right. He wants... I mean, yeah. I, I, he can want all he wants, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. But I'll leave it at that. That's, that's sort of where I am at this point, Bo. It's sort of where I am. All right, at Smolka on Twitter. That's how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com is where you see his stuff. Are you guys going to keep doing the podcast during the offseason? Yes, we are. In fact, Daniel Wilcox and I, it's on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. In fact, we just... Recorded one this morning that will be up later today about the wink change. And also, he had some really good ideas about overtime. So we had a, we hashed out the old overtime rules as well. All right. You'll be able to check that out on the Believe Network, too. Bo Smolka, we will check in as uh, throughout the offseason as news warrants. Appreciate you taking the time for us, as always, my friend. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Take care. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, checking in with us here on GCR. Winding down hour number two of the show today. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with Don Stanhouse. You can find that show right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular wind down for a Monday edition. or Sorry, a Tuesday edition. Oh, man. Don't put that evil on me. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGAMBLING help.org. That first sip. 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We are winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, our new intern, Cassidy Butler, is here. Cassidy, what have you learned so far today? Pop quiz. Uh, what have you learned so far today? Do you remember where the bathroom is? I do remember. Okay, you remember the bathroom. I haven't found is. the key yet, though. There's yeah, that is awkward, <laughs> by the way. I know uh, where the turn, key is. Ca- ter- She's on. Is it, is it, uh, turn her up a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, is it the same key for the men's room and the women's room? I that I don't know. That's that was my problem this morning. I think it's a different key for the women's room. See, it might there's be. a box. Yeah, there's, there's a like there's a box that has keys. other keys in it, right? And it might be one of those keys, or it might be the same key. That, I don't. I don't know. Maybe so homework for the, for we, the we, day. We showed her where all the keys key. are. We showed her the where one in Stan's office. Yes, we showed her all of the keys. I only knew of that key. That that because that's the one for the men's room, which, which is, is a, what we need. A Washington football team key. It's very weird. I don't understand that at all. Never. No. <laughs> Why would you think that we would be a Washington fan? Do you, do you I see, forget. You these know, colors don't run, Cassidy. Yeah, she's from Virginia. I'm from Virginia so she thinks so. that everybody's a Washington oh. fan. Not around these parts. Sorry. Not the way that it works. Strike um, one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you learn today? Oh, gosh. A lot, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But tell me something you learned. I learned 
Uh-oh. Yeah, yes. you said a lot. Now you're not telling me I know. one thing. Well, this is a pop quiz. You put me on I spot. know. That was the idea. That was the concept here. Honestly, I'm, I learned a lot about baseball that I didn't know. Like what? The whole Hall of Fame thing. I had no idea about that. Did you not know there was a Hall of Fame? No, I knew there was okay. a... <laughs> Did you no, not? I had no idea that there was okay. a Hall I'm just trying to figure out what you learned. That's <laughs> no, what I'm trying to figure out. I knew out. there was a Hall of Fame. I just had no idea that that was the with the players that was going on. And that Yes, that's today. Today they'll make the announcer for the Hall of Fame. What are you really into? Like what's something sports-wise besides your own soccer besides career. soccer yeah well like okay but are you big into soccer otherwise like yeah, very big what wh- okay who do you root for who do i root for yeah. well hometown dc united okay so you are but are you really into mls yeah because some people are like the quality of soccer isn't high enough for me to really be into well it. it's easiest because i get to like go and watch and i enjoy like going and watching sporting events rather than i was play-by-play guy for dc united for a little really? while for, for a very like i was a fill-in basically right well and also i follow uh i forget her name but the broadcast uh lady there that does all of their announcements and stuff she's oh great. in game what is uh oh god oh god. i know who you're talking about but yeah. i know who you're talking she's about great. she's great i yeah. love her i follow her so I enjoy going. Maybe one day I'll meet her. But I enjoy DC United. I get to go and watch. But like, if it's online or something, or like I'm watching on TV, I like. I feel like I should say because I'm a female that I like women's soccer, and I do. I really. This do is a weird. I don't know what's about to come soccer. here. There's a weird take no, that's no, about to no. happen here. She likes men's soccer. More. I like men's soccer more. By the way, this is my my wife. The at times anti-feminist. My wife. <laughs> yeah, my wife. I swear to God, I'll be watching like a Maryland women's basketball game. And she'll be like, what are you watching? I'll be like, the Maryland game. She's like, but it's the women. And I'll be like, <laughs> the hell? I like your wife so much. Like, She's so funny to me. Yeah, but like you, you're a woman. Yeah, and it's hard because you're sitting there and you're like, I feel like I have to be that person to support women, right? And especially in this day and age, there's like feminism is a really big yeah. thing. And you're supposed to support women. But like. It's there is a reason to why you know there's the whole thing with the pay gap of women and men, but th- there's a reason for it. You know, like there's a whole actual statistical I, reason. I'm in a for weird it. place. Like I happen, my favorite sport is tennis, right? And okay. I and I will, t- and it's the sport that I was the best at, and it's the sport that I enjoy watching the most. Like right now, I'm barely getting any sleep because the Australian Open is going. It was so wonderful that the Berrettini match was still going on when I woke up this morning. I was so happy about that. Um, but. I like tennis is the sport where competition wise it's the absolute closest between men and women like they will they'll charge you ticket prices for a grand slam event that are the exact same whether it's a women's match or a men's match because there's no sport where the athletes are as significant like Serena Williams was as significant in this country as almost any athlete on on the planet like her Q rating matters as much as basically everyone LeBron James Tom Brady all of them. Um, will that always be the case? Was Serena Williams just unique? I, you know, we'll find that out, right? Like Coco Golf looked like she was going to slide right in and sort of become the next one. You know, she's still very young. We always have to remember that. <laughs> um, so it's a weird thing because, like, as a tennis fan, it's not weird to me at all the idea of men and women having literally equal footing. The only difference being the men play five sets, the women play three, right. only at Grand Slams, right? Like, it's it's utterly. I am as excited tonight to sit down. You have no none of you will care about this at all. I am super excited to watch Danielle Collins play Elise Cornet tonight. I am unbelievably excited about it, right? Like, through the roof. And it's just the nature of being a tennis fan, right? Like, the, the women's game has always mattered as much as the men's game does. Like, there's just no... In, in, in loving tennis, it's what you've known. Right. They play the biggest tournaments at the exact same time. Like, they don't do that in golf. They're not having the women's U.S. Open the same weekend as the men's U.S. Open. Like, it doesn't work that way. So... 
as someone who that's the sport that I care about, like it's not strange to me at all the idea of equal. Like I'm just as into. And I totally, I'm for like. Don't get me. I'm I'm a woman. I believe. Right. Yeah. You want. Yeah. Certainly. I'm not sitting here like. Yes. Yeah. I want less pay than a man. Like. <laughs> like I love getting seventy percent like, of what men do. Yeah. That's very fair. But like at the end of the day, like it comes to a point where women's sports, especially women's soccer in the United States, has become so political. That a lot of viewers don't want to watch anymore because we want to watch our sport and not the politics it's that come an, with it's it. It's an intro. It, it, oh boy, that's such a. Boy, we could do an hour on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we're supposed to be ending the show right now, Cassidy. We're Sorry. supposed to be wrapping hey, up. Hey, talk about thanks, soccer. Thanks, thanks, about thanks a lot for that. Um, we'll, we'll save that. We'll, we'll get back to that at okay. some point. We'll, we'll we'll save that conversation um, because I I have evolved a little bit in in my way of thinking. Because at first I probably felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of evolved a little bit to like the, I, I get it. If we don't talk about it now, when are we going to talk about it? Right. right? Like if we don't, t- specific things. I don't care who you vote for in an election. I will never care about, I will never, ever, ever in my life care about who you're voting for in an election. Agreed. We're just not, I'll never be interested in that topic. You're never, the moment that you, I don't care. I've said this, I was talking, I think I brought this up the other day. I'm walking around, I was uh, out with John Colson. And I was like, look, man, the reason why it's weird to me that the Orioles are on WBAL is because I listen to WBAL talk about Nancy Pelosi. And the moment, I don't care if you love her or if you hate her. If you're talking about Nancy Pelosi, I'm out. I'm out. I don't care. I'm not interested in the topic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I never will be. And you can say, well, you don't understand. You're not. Stop. Stop. I'm out. But I do get that there are other things that exist that, like, if we don't, if we don't talk about it now, when are we talking about it? If we right. say we're never going to talk about it when like big events are going on, when are we talking about it exactly? Right. And so that I just evolved a little bit way in that way in terms of thinking, yeah. but I'm still not going to care who it is that you're voting for. And any, I'll never care. Ca- ever ever care. Um, will you will you watch? So like the men get back in the World Cup qualifying this week. Mm-hmm. Are you like are you glued in for that or indifferent? I mean, I'm indifferent. I watch more European than okay. Men's, like. I then U.S. soccer, um, like the Premier League. Yeah, like, I, okay. yeah, yeah. And so I'm a Liverpool. Do you have a team? Fan. Okay, Liverpool. Why Liverpool? I I don't. This is always fascinating to me. This is the only problem I've had about European soccer is like I wouldn't know how to pick a club, right? Because to me, being a sports fan is like having this. Maybe this is maybe explain something about you. You're a Cowboys fan. But that comes from <laughs> your. Da- it comes from your dad. I'll accept that. <laughs> it's like having a touch. Like that's to me what being a sports fan is, right? Like I'm an Orioles and a Ravens fan because I'm in Baltimore. Like, that's where I am. Those are the teams that are here. Right. I became a Suns and a Coyotes fan because I moved to Phoenix for a couple of years, and that's who was there. I had a physical touch to it. I need to, it's, it's a personal thing. I wouldn't know how to have a touch to, like, any European soccer team at all. Well, I'm not from, I mean, despite my sister being born in England, oh, I've never wow. touched, like, European soil. Okay. So, like, I don't, it's like, you know, with football, it's like, all right, well, I'm from Seattle, so I'm a Seattle fan, right? Well, that's not kind of how I grasp my team i guess more or less that i didn't know what team i wanted to choose i wa- i grew up watching u.s women's national team like my whole life and then all of a sudden i was like okay i like i was hoping you were gonna say but i root for brazil <laughs> <laughs> I but i like support i was like i i want to my grandfather was the one that actually got me into soccer a lot like very smart guy knows everything about soccer and he's the one that introduced me to a lot of the teams especially the european style he said this is the style you should watch so he didn't tell me, like, a team to really focus on. So I just kind of watched all of them until I fell in love with, like, a certain style of play that one of them played, and it was Liverpool. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's interesting. That's, a, that's very interesting. 
It's very interesting. I've never heard of, like, uh, when somebody yeah, style, we, right? Like yeah. this is what really drew me to them. Yeah, like it, it, although I was always excited for me to watch like old Hawaii football games because like they were going to score a hundred <laughs> points, and I was just like, damn, I'm in for it, right? I never made, didn't make me a Hawaii fan. Friends <laughs> tuning in at five a.m. Dude, I totally when I was young, and it was like they would play at midnight, and they were the last game on, and they were always for whatever reason they would always put them on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. There was always a Saturday night midnight Hawaii game, and you've been drinking, and you're just like, hell yeah, we're gonna watch some touchdowns, baby, like Hawaii against San Jose State. I don't know any of the players on the field, but I am geeked. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get my friends to care. They're all like, what? what? Who gives a rat's ass? I'm like, they're going to score 100 points, man. It's going to be fun. They'll be like, we, we're just going to put some music on. Like, we don't care about this. I was totally trying to sell them on the idea of watching Hawaii I, football. I used to love West Coast Orioles games. The games that start at ten o'clock at night. I used to. Yeah, love I mean, if you don't have to be up in the morning, because you get a you get a full night of doing whatever the hell you want, and, and then, then you, you get still to get to the watch baseball. baseball. Game. Yeah, I get that. You I get know? that. It was like I've always said, it was great when I lived on the West Coast. It was great having football games on at like ten in the morning because like mm-hmm. you'd wake up and you'd be right into football. Right, that was awesome. But it sucked because baseball games started at four, and I'm like on the radio at four o'clock trying to do a show while I'm checking in on a baseball game. Like, mm-hmm. it did that part suck, but the weekend thing was awesome. You wake up and you're like, I'm going to a bar. Let's like, wake and bake. <laughs> you know, the whole deal. It was tremendous. I'm a different person than I was. <laughs> I've grown up a little bit. All right. Uh, Cassie is going to be part of the show on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays uh, moving forward. We're looking forward to that. Is she replacing Lil Jordan? We're working on Lil Jordan. I, uh, this week, they'll both be here on Friday, and then we're going to work on Lil Jordan's schedule moving forward. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Or they'll be dueling interns on Fridays, and they'll have to compete. <laughs> like jousting. I actually I actually think this could be amazing. That hallway's <laughs> Who's bringing enough. better content to the table? Whoever brings the better content gets the microphone time. That's what I'm wow. thinking Fridays end up looking like. Maybe. I'm going to see what Jordan's schedule looks like. Cassidy, of course, has like things she's got to do. Like mm-hmm. she's Jordan, I just think, is hanging out. He's like, just, I'm not really he's sure. He's got to go to the bar and get french fries. <laughs> Correct. Jordan. Jordan comes in every Friday morning with a plate of French fries, and I'm like, "How's, how's school going, Jordan? <laughs> when does when does your internship end exactly? I think he's just sort <laughs> he's of he's not here. even in school. Did you ever have like a group of friends where there was a guy that was just there all the time, and you were like, "Are we even friends with him? Like, why is he <laughs> I'm here?" I'm pretty sure that was me. Oh boy, that's oh, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> that's an awkward spot to be in. We definitely when I worked, uh, there's a true story. My senior year of high school, my girl, my then girlfriend's cousin opened a NASCAR store in the Hartford Mall. No one ever came in, by the way. It, it lasted for all about eight months, but he was like, I need you to come in and work at the NASCAR store. And I was like, great. And he hired like three of us, and we were all idiot like Dave Matthews Band fans that were all <laughs> like hanging out. I think you knew the type that you were getting working at this NASCAR store. There was a dude, I can't remember his name, but he was friends with one of the other guys that worked there, and he would just sit in the store and hang out all day. <laughs> like he did nothing. He just sat there. He would put some music on. I'd be like, do you... Do you have a job? Like, do you have anything to go do today? And he'd be like, no, nah, I'm just hanging out. And so one night I wanted to call, I wanted to go do something. I don't know what it was, but I was trying to call out. And the other two people that worked there were unavailable. And so the boss was just like, why don't you call Jordan? I'm like, Jordan doesn't work here. He's like, well, he basically does. I'm sure you can figure it out. So call Jordan. Had him fill cover for me that night. <laughs> He's like, I'm already here. I mean, just here. He was going to be there anyway. <laughs> Tidbit brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox. It is our best of 2021 issue. It's available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox and read it all. PressBoxOnline.com slash best of includes our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, Justin Tucker, on the cover. 
Yes, Paul. All right. So Josh Allen was having a postseason for the record books before it was cut far too short. Through two games, Allen was completing more than 77% of his passes to go along with nine touchdowns. Wait a second. Timmy Chang is the new Hawaii football coach? I'm back in. Timmy Chang was the quarterback at Hawaii. He was definitely, they were scoring 1,000 points a game when Timmy Chang was the quarterback. If he's the coach now, I am right back on board. I'm a big Hawaii guy. Get Timmy Chang on the show. Get him to be the coordinator in uh in Buffalo, maybe Josh Allen would uh, be better, God, even better God, numbers. Be, I don't know how that could be possible. Well, yeah, so he was completing 77% of his passes to go along with nine touchdowns and zero interceptions, not to mention 318.5 yards per game. In fact, Allen's prowess put him in pretty rarefied air. Only eight other quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown as many as eight touchdowns with zero interceptions in a single postseason. Well, I can name one. Who are they? And here's a hint. Josh Allen is the only one of them to, A, do it in less than three games, and, B, not not play in the Super Bowl that year. Well, one of them happens to be the most elite quarterback of all time. That's, of course, the great Joe Flacco, who had 11-0. and zero. That is correct. How many? You said there were eight total? Eight total. Cass- Cassidy, you want to make a guess? No, but when you said... Greatest quarterback. I was thinking Tony Romo. Most. So. Oh God. Well, that definitely <laughs> didn't happen in the playoffs. Tony Romo's the reason I stopped you. being a, a Cowboys joke. fan. <laughs> hey. How about gr- maybe the Ravens be the reason why you stopped being a Cowboys fan? <laughs> the, uh, I be, I was. Uh, the, I am definitely learning more about you, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> the Ravens became my number one team when they got here. You we got had it. season tickets. They they became my number one team when they got here. But the Cowboys were still my NFC team. Your side, your side piece, if you, you will. That? Yes. You yeah. He had when, a side, he had a side Tony piece. Tony Romo took okay. over. Is your, is your wife aware of the presence of your side piece? <laughs> I, <laughs> is your wife aware what, of that? What, I'm going to right now. What's a main course without a side dish? Oh, God. Don't say that. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> I don't feel that way. I actually had a friend who was routinely cheating on his girlfriend. I said, dude, how do you... Jesus. I said, how do you do this? Like, how how do you do... He goes, Paul, what's a main course oh, on the side? God, no, he said it to me on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> That's not good. Anyway, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, Joe Flacco matched Joe Montana with 11-0. <laughs> yes, and zero. I believe. Glenn Let's get right back. back. <laughs> yes, Paul Joe Montana in 1989. <laughs> Let's go back to that. Um, I'm going to guess... I'm just guessing now. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Eight touchdowns to zero interceptions in 2009. How about Aaron Rodgers? No. Mm. I don't think he stays in the playoffs long enough yeah. to do it. Well, he did. I don't know if you remember. He won a Super Bowl once. That did occur. Yeah, one time. How about Ben Roethlisberger? Nope. How about Steve Young? Because I don't want to keep waiting and not guessing that. Steve Young. Nine touchdowns to zero interceptions in 1994. And six of them came job. in the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, how about that? We'll go with the Cowboys. How about Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman. Usually you're wrong with Troy Aikman because he wasn't that prolific he, he of a was passer. Not, no. But eight touchdowns, zero interceptions in 1992. Dallas okay. Cowboys, baby. Come Get on. Get out of here with nope. that. Get out of here. I like them again now. <laughs> we, I like Dak Prescott. See? I'm not, what is right going Two on? 2 on 1 right now. <laughs> I'm not like a diehard. What the hell is happening? I'm here? not a diehard, but I like Dak Prescott. He's a. Ge- we ha- we talked about this like last week. I, I, I root for genuinely good people, mm-hmm. and Dak Prescott is a genuinely good person. That's all well and good. That doesn't mean you have to like the Cowboys. Hey, they're the nation's team. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, and they Trayvon are. Diggs is from our I area. Hate. He's from D.C. Settle down. Well, you know what, though? Settle down. And he didn't go to Maryland, unlike his brother. No, he went so to Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. But, but still. I hate him. He should have come to Maryland. He should have come to Then I would have liked him. Then I would have rooted for him. Not I, the Cowboys, but him. If I can root for his brother, I can root for him. Jesus. This is... What the hell is happening? <laughs> um... I don't know where my brain's at now. Quarterbacks uh, who are throwing how, eight oh, how about, how about Pat Mahomes? No. Okay, that's a little surprising. He's even thrown a pick this year. 
I guess he does throw picks. He's sort of like Brett Favre in that way. He's kind of a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Russ Wilson. No. Jim Kelly. No. John Elways. No, but same era-ish with Jim Kelly and John Elway. Same era-ish. Jim Kelly and John Elway. Same era-ish. Phil Sims. Phil Sims. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions, 1986. When he set the record for consecutive I guess, completions I guess in the just, Super Bowl. I guess it just struck me that I haven't guessed Tom Brady yet. Tom Brady. Probably eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. up a little bit earlier. In 2017 when he lost kind to the Eagles. <laughs> it's like you the have, Dodgers earlier. Right? Yeah, you that's have a good point. one more who... He did learn something today. Hi uh, to Tom Brady. Kurt Warner. Oh. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Nine touchdowns. No interceptions in 2016. I guess we know what year it was. 28 to 3. I remember that. I vaguely remember that. All right. Very good. That was Tidbit. Tubular is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel, where it's just such a cool place to hang out and watch the games and bet on all the... the There is so much fun to be had in-game betting. Like, watching the line move and say, man, I really like them. I brought that up at the beginning of the game. I'm like, if you really like the Buccaneers... The Rams, all they did was go down and score one time. And all of a sudden, the line moved so much that the Buccaneers were dogs on the money line. I'm like, why Why wouldn't you bite on that? Uh, my man, Boss Man, who is a popular rapper from Baltimore, was hanging out with us on Sunday. And Boss Man kept going up and putting more money on the Buccaneers. Now, I thought he took a bath at the end of the day because I saw the numbers he was putting up. But he was like, nah, man, I was just betting them. Once the, the spread moved to so where they were, all I, all I needed them to do was lose by less than a touchdown. And I was like, son of a bitch, boss man cashed in big. But you have to do that in-game betting. You can't do it before the game. Because remember, before the game, the Buccaneers were favorites. But as the game started going a certain way, they got to move that spread in order to get the action. And he stepped in and said, all Tom Brady's got to do is get back within a touchdown? Okay, I'm bite. And so he pocketed some nice change doing that. It's fun in-game betting, man. It is a lot of fun. Um, Get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel and hang out. If you want to be there for the big game, events at sportssocialmd.com to reserve your spot right now. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Proctor. We may, you're supposed to be checking uh, Proctor on uh, when he's guessing. That's supposed to be your job. I'm sorry, John Proctor. It's all my fault. Oh, I missed the, the someone not wearing pants joke, too. I have not had a good deal. Oh, man, I just realized I missed John from Little Rock on. I'm so sorry. I've not done a good job with comments today. It's on me. You know what? That might be Cassidy's job moving forward. Uh, John, can you get Bo's view on the Ravens 6 p.m. Friday news dump? John, I, I get it. As as someone who's in the media, I'm disappointed by that, but I also understand why teams do it. They don't want, if it seems like it might be controversial, they don't want people to be talking about it. So I'm in a tough spot because I would prefer that they didn't do it, but I also get why they do. I, I mean, I really do. It's a it's a weird thing. I, I get the impression that teams don't operate with what the media wants them to do. Um. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Sometimes that bot like I'll I'll give you this. It bothers me that we're now two weeks removed from the season and John Harbaugh still yeah, hasn't spoken to me. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. That's 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 lame. Like there's no reason, and and it what makes you think like they're still making decisions and they don't want to have him speak to the media until all the decisions have been made. But you can have multiple press conferences. Like you can have one, and then when something changes, you can have another. Believe it or not, especially in this era of Zoom where nobody has to be there. You can just say. Hey, an hour from now, we're going to hop on Zoom. What if he hasn't come out and said anything because he's moving on? Don't do that. Don't try to <laughs> don't try to be that guy. Don't try to be that guy. You're not we don't do that here. 
All right, uh, here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise tonight. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Maryland is in action tonight. They are up at Rutgers at, I think I said, eight, is it 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock? i got to double-check that. I think it's actually at 8 o'clock is what I saw the schedule. Yeah, they so moved it to 8. They moved it to 8. Thank you very much. 8 o'clock tonight for Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, Big Ten hoops on ESPN, Michigan State, Illinois at 7. The rest of the college basketball, find at glennclarkradio.com. Australian Open quarterfinals wrap up uh, on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus overnight. Um, what else tonight? What else? Oh, of course, the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement on MLB Network at 6 o'clock. NBC Sports Washington, Clippers, Wizards at 7. TNT's got Lakers, Nets at 7.30. Mavs, Warriors at 10. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Stars, Devils at 7. Predators, Kraken at 10. And the USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Non-sports highlights. This is Glenn's favorite night of television. I do enjoy the Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary at I 9 o'clock. I do enjoy the um, American, American Auto, Auto. at 8 and Grand Crew at 8.30. Problem and is... And then his absolute favorite, This yeah. Is Us, at 9 o'clock. That is my big one. That's my that's my go-to. They're wrapping up. That's almost over yeah. now at this point. Uh, the problem is, uh, between watching tennis at night and Ozark, I will not be watching any of these shows for some time. How Are you, are you caught up? Yeah. Did you watch all of the... No, I literally started it. My friend introduced it to me, so I'm literally still like at the very beginning. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. then we won't talk about it. Oh, it, it gets so, so much better. It gets so much better. It does. It, it does. It is. I, there's a lot of things I want to talk about I right watched now. episode one okay. last night. And so and it the was... way it started is the part that's interesting. Do you, think, do you think that was them telling you how the season's going to end, like giving it away right at the beginning? I don't think that's how it ends. Okay. I think that that throws a wrench in some things. You, like you, I think you're supposed to think that's how it ends. That's what I'm wondering. But I, I think can't that that's figure out that, that we're, that's going to happen in like the I think second to last or third. To I last think episode. it's plausible. They're just ripping the bandaid off. This is how it ends. Now we're going to tell you how we got to there. Right? Like I think it's plausible that that's the way it is. But I don't know that, and that's why I was. That's what I was talking about with Jeremy. Somebody's so going to survive. Don't, get, Paul. We have rules. <laughs> like, I understand talking about Breaking Bad because it happened years ago. Ozark only came out four days ago. Let's not uh, say yeah, too much. Sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. I was going to try and, and, and fight that. No, you're right. That yeah, was, that was a not, mistake. It was a slip of the tongue. I didn't right, do it intentionally. Right, all right, all right, very good. Uh, Cassidy, uh, thank you. We will see you on Friday. Um, thank you to uh, today to... Randy Mueller, thanks to Bo Smolka, thanks to Patrick Stevens. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow on the program, uh, I'm assuming Drew Forrester is going to join us. Trevlin Queen, Baltimore native who just made his NBA debut in the last few weeks, is going to check in with us as well. And, of course, stuff and things as always. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mo- Mobile, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Blue Line Canine, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Uh, go Terps. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.